0: Just when you thought it was safe to go on to iTunes, this is Next Level Guy, the only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's
1: time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys? It's time for another episode of the Next Level Guys Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guys, the go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Eli Knight. Eli is a BJJ Black Belt instructor and YouTube coach who is an awesome YouTube channel which showcases jiu-jitsu technique videos as well as techniques and concepts to help in the areas of both self-defence and sports BJJ which is Brazilian jiu-jitsu for those who don't know. In this interview we cover a story, how to use BJJ for self-defence, how to cut the learning curve in martial arts, how you can be the best student you possibly can be, the benefits of BJJ and so much more. This was a really important interview for me because I was a massive fan of Eli When I started out in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, his videos really helped me. They helped me um, understand a lot of the key components and the concepts that classes just weren't getting through my thick head at the time. Now when I go back and watch them, I'm picking up so many amazing little pointers and extra things that I missed the first few hundred times round. You always pick up something new. His videos are that good. If you're starting out in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you need to go and check out his channel. The links are in the show notes. But now, let's get to the interview. I hope you enjoy this as much as I had doing it. If you met somebody in a cliche social uh, social setting, so it can be a bar, club, between the floors and a lift, you know, you had to explain to them who you were and what you did as a job. You know, I so say you had about thirty seconds. You do quite a unique job. What would you say to them? <laughs> um,
0: it, it's funny because I just recently came out with a T-shirt that says uh, "Fighty stuff" on it, and uh, <laughs> so it, it's this—it's this kind of a retro design. It says "Fighty stuff," and then if you look in the ring of it, it says uh, "striking, grappling, uh, clinch work, jujitsu." You know, it says all this different stuff, um, and that—that's basically it. I mean, so it's—it's it's not about. It's not necessarily about self-defense, but that's that's one of the easiest ways to say it. But I, I just teach and I, I like more than teaching to say sharing like the information that I have about fighting and self-defense because I think it's an important thing, not just for somebody to be able to know how to, to protect themselves in a violent confrontation. That's obviously important, but it's, it's the thing that maybe gets people interested initially but it's not the thing that keeps them around. It's the fun that you have after that. So that's what I like to try to share with people, and I like to keep things um, fun, and I like to keep things entertaining, and I like to show people just the not to be too uh, you know philosophical or anything, but just just to show people the beauty of training, and you know just the, the metaphor that training provides for for life and for living. I mean, you you're overcoming extremely difficult problems you know and and you're learning uh about a, a physical thing and how it applies to every aspect of life so um the easiest way to, to say what i do is i teach jiu-jitsu uh, to people <laughs> but it's it, it falls a little short to say that so uh, that's that would be the slightly longer answer for the cliff's notes version
1: because it doesn't really incorporate them like the amount of like the you you know the way that you make the 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 students life better you teach them fitness you teach them how to express their creativity That you know there's so much mm. in campus what a coach does and then you've also oh, got your business sure. and you know you've got your uh, channel and it's it's a phenomenal what you do I mean I initially found you th- while well, searching for a few techniques and I loved your I love your channel when I first started I couldn't really comprehend a lot of what you're saying because of there was so much detail and different variations and techniques but as i've started training i realise how like how awesome your videos are in terms of the scope the depth the variety and how much you you're just doing it off the cuff you can see that you're you understand the technique perfectly well but can we go back to like when you were a child you know how did you get into jujitsu? because i was like initially bullied lost a lot of confidence when I was younger and as I grew up I wanted something to you know to get into self-defense to give my confidence back but how did Eli become Eli Knight of Knights Jiu-Jitsu?
0: well um, it's it's hard to say I think that the biggest thing that that got me involved with uh, I would have to say martial arts because I didn't start out with jiu-jitsu I, I started with um, because I, I'm in a, a small town in Kentucky and so I always say that my my martial arts experience is very geographically challenged. <laughs> so we I had to do what we had available, and um, you know, I, I like every kid, you watch uh, kung fu and karate movies. Grew up watching, you know, Van Dam and uh, you know Steven Seagal and things like that. And uh, you know, I wasn't really of the Power Rangers generation, but you know, just fantasy kind of movie stuff like that. So martial arts was always interesting. Now, um, but I never really actually, you know, I took some karate classes when I was a kid, but it, it was kind of up to my, my dad to take me and just didn't really take with me. Um, when I was a teenager, my sister, um, my sister died in an automobile accident and it was, uh, the most traumatic event in my, my life, um, probably to date. I mean, there's been some other close ones, but it's, that's probably still the most traumatic thing that I've ever experienced. And, um, I was just lost. I was just lost in, in life, you know. Um, aside from that, um, you know, I also watched my mother go through a very abusive relationship whenever I was, I was young. Um, and it was those both kind of coincided. And it was just like a really dark, dark place I got to. Um, a friend of mine talked me into going to his taekwondo class with him and i was like you know this this is it was a good outlet for me i was always interested in martial arts and so it was a good outlet for me to go and just be physical and be creative i was never an athlete i was never um i was never physically gifted at all in any regard still i'm not it's it's a lot harder for me i feel like um just things don't come natural for me physically um during those taekwondo classes i was exposed to other things and i did a lot of research on my own um I, i did a lot of whatever resources were available, because we didn't have YouTube back then. This was this was the uh, early, not even the '90s yet, probably as like just on the cusp of turning 1990s. Um, and so, you know, library and martial arts books that I could get my hands on. Um, I was always intrigued by by jitsu and and other arts like that. Um, I met up with a man named Jason Hawkins who was teaching out of the same academy just in a different class than I was I was taking and he was doing something that that people weren't really doing at the time which was cross-training a lot and he was um, He was studying in Jeet Kune Do and he was studying uh, Filipino martial arts. He was um, pursuing an instructorship under Dan Anasanto um, He was already a, a second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, but a different style of jiu-jitsu when the UFC hit around 1993 and um i i had just started transitioning to to studying under jason and so i was pursuing my you know my my instruction under him for what we call it jiu-jitsu but it had a lot of different influences on it well when we saw this happen um the uh the ufc hit and of course everybody knows how that turned out for the first several ufcs it was this scrawny brazilian guy that was mm. was kind of going and, and, in pajamas uh, taking yeah. guys in pajamas, yeah, and is is not what um, even to jujitsu guys, quote unquote, it, it wasn't what we look, thought jujitsu was. It didn't look like jujitsu that we were doing. So, um, it, you know, those turned out very differently than um, everybody expected, I think, and it turned the martial arts world on its ear. I mean, it 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 flipped everything upside down. So, at that point, you either kind of had to buy in to uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. You, or you could, you know, bury your head in the sand and make excuses as to why your training was still superior to that, even if it wasn't incorporating that. Or you could find some kind of middle ground where you were like, you know, I, I need to at least pay attention to this and incorporate this into my training. Um, we were a little bit more, because we we're already jiu- Jiu-Jitsu guys, we, we were more of the, we're gonna buy into this. So we started to uh, pursue the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu style more. I still kept up with other um, styles and systems over the years. Uh, mostly, um, you know, I, I still I, I don't I don't turn too much of a blind eye to anything. I try to keep a good barometer to, um, you know, or I try to keep a good perspective on what's happening out there, even if it's something that that I would initially be kind of opposed to, just on spec. But it, you know, I try to keep. Um, Keep in mind that when I say jujitsu about something, that it's it's the lens that I'm looking through. It's not that that jujitsu is the only good thing to me. It's like I that's that's the the lens that I look through to understand how everything else works. So it's more of a, a, a philosophical or a mindset kind of thing. So you know, getting back to the journey of it, it's you know we we pursued study under uh, Hoist particularly. But whenever he left uh, Gracie Academy and he started his own network, we stuck with him. We were a flagship network, and we've been with him ever since. So I got my blue belt uh, technically from from Elio Gracie, um, and w- along with some of my other friends, uh, Jason Hawkins, the one that I, I mentioned before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, since then, every stripe and every belt has come directly from Hoyes, and now I'm a, a second-degree black belt under him. So,
1: that's kind of the...
0: <laughs> so it's, it's it's kind of the arc of, of the journey uh, to this point. It's there's a lot missing from that story, but that's that's as cliff notes as I can make it.
1: I mean, i was very sorry to read about you know when I heard about your sister and the the issues that your mom had faced. Uh, apologies, that's my pop-ups. Um, you know, it's it's similar to like when I was dealing sort of nothing on that kind of scale, but. When I lost grandparents, I kind of bottled things up. I didn't know how to deal oh. with it, and I think, like you, martial arts kind of gave me a, a way to vent it out, but not just to deal with you know the emotional distress and anger, but to actually find a way to understand it and learn from it, and you know hmm. possibly even evolve from it. I mean, do you see that? Do you see that's where a lot of modern guys are going wrong—that they hit the drink, you know, they do drugs, um, they get into fights because they don't really know how to deal with it, how to let it out, how to, you know, how to accept it even. Sure.
0: I mean, I I think, I think that it's it's inevitable that um, we're going to experience trauma in our life. You know, I mean, it's it's inevitable that we're going to go through things that we're not. We don't have the perfect skill set or, or or toolbox to handle, and we're going to be, um, you know, left kind of like unfettered and trying to to figure out what what can we use to get past this thing. And most of us are not, um, you know, given given that uh, you know we we don't usually have a mentor to stand over us and say here's how you handle this. You know, and, and it's great if you do. It's great if you have. Um, a close-knit group around just great if you have a good support system of friends and a family to be able to say, hey, we're here for you and let's figure this out together whenever you experience this trauma. Um, You know, for for me and for like, you know, like you were saying, whenever it's a family trauma, um, a lot of times it impacts the entire family. So for you to be there completely for someone else, you're going to have to efface yourself um, from that too, but you're experiencing that. So it's a difficult thing. So I think the easiest thing to do whenever you are um faced with a difficult situation that you have no idea how to deal with is to anesthetize yourself so you um what do you do drink drinking drugs uh that's the easiest answer right there i mean it's like something hurts let's kill the pain (laughs) you know let's let's try to let's try to pour something on top of that pain right there and you know to to dull it out but you know you can you can constructively deal with with pain and trauma or you can negatively deal with it and if Your only answer is to, um, you know, pour something on top of it that that just numbs it or quiets it for a while. Well, I mean, you're going to build up uh, a necessity to that. You're going to build up an addiction. You're going to build up a tolerance that you're going to have to continually increase the amount that it takes to to quiet that noise, you know. So um, or you can find some kind of outlet that allows you to exercise the demons that that you have and. You know, grow to be a stronger person because of it, and and actually develop some kind of system to deal with those things. So you know, the the choice is ultimately yours. But you know,
1: I mean, when when I had it was for me it was when a grandparent died of cancer, and I can remember being in a poor relationship, and you know, all the red flags were there. And I can remember sitting thinking. No, no, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her because you're getting something good in return. You're getting mm. a kind, you know, a, a something positive. So I can see mm. where people go wrong with that. You know, it took me ages to to kind of go, well, she was nuts. You know, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, she was dealing with her own stuff, and I think this is mm. the thing: is we're, we're in a society where tech, we've got so much technology and so many ways to communicate, but we've forgotten how to speak to one another. We don't really know how to drop in and just say. Are you all right? Do you need anything? Do you want it? Oh, yeah. Hmm. So we tend to just sit there and go. Let's go to the bar and drink because we don't. We want to help, but we don't know how to help each other. It's quite sad in a way.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's an excellent point. I think it's a really good point. Like that. Uh, we don't. We're. I, I. And I'm. I'm no. Um, I. I'm not trying to make that sound like I am better at that because I'm definitely better at communicating um, via. Text message than I am on a phone call. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely better at at um, you know like uh, answering comments on videos a lot of the time than I am having a, a genuine conversation face to face with people and you know it's uh, um, I don't like that I, I try to be better about that myself and but I recognize I recognize that 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 is a shortcoming of it and you brought up relationships and and you know how that that can kind of. Affect, uh, affect, and, and impact our relationships with each other especially the close relationships that we have and uh, i think that's absolutely true and i think it is a a, a product of the times that we live in and the, the ease of technology and communication in one regard is actually like hindering our ability to communicate and probably the more important aspect of it so yeah it's, it's an interesting thing we have to do a lot of um, self-introspection like that
1: well when I first started jujitsu, I didn't really understand the the differences in jiu-jitsu and the styles and the people that teach it and sport versus self defense and combat jujitsu and all this kind of stuff. I just assumed it was a martial art. Um, how did you go about getting into the whole like self defense side? I think because you, very rarely do I see that being advertised now. And it's that's what I really liked about your materials was that you were showing how to actually use it. And I was quite low self esteem and confidence when I moved to the city I'm in now. So I kind of felt well if I'm gonna go out and start trying to meet girls and meet new people. Mm-hmm. i I wanted to get the confidence to defend myself but also just to become more confident in general. Yeah. But you're you kind of focus more on the self decide of things rather than the sport jujitsu. So what made mm-hmm. you go down that avenue?
0: Well, it it just it wasn't like I guess the exposure that I had to it, it was never really distinguished. I mean, the, because it was, you know, so early on, and I'm not trying to sound like an old man or anything, but it was, it was, a, it was quite a while ago that I got into this, and it, was never, it wasn't as big of a conversation back then. It wasn't so much sport or self-defense. It was um, this, you know, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was promoted as the most, um, the most effective fighting art. You know, it's about fighting. You know, it's about what happens if you get into a fight. How do you defend yourself? Um, now, that's a hugely multifaceted question, you know, because context dictates everything as far as that goes. Is this, are we talking about a one on one consensual street fight? You know, a mutual combat situation? Are we talking about uh, something that has rules imposed on it? And if we are, then what degree are the rules in play? Is this MMA where there are limited rules? Is this, Um, something like combat jiu-jitsu where there's a uh, you know slightly more rule uh, more um, stringent or i'm sorry slightly more lax rules than there are with a strict uh, bjj tournament is this a bjj tournament with the gi you know i mean so it's it it goes on and on but to me like jiu-jitsu is jujitsu, and it was ultimately um a a combative art it was ultimately like if you want to go back and we can have some kind of weird historical debate that I'm not an expert on at all to, to to participate in. But you know, if you talk about like battlefield martial arts, samurai style, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about hand to hand combat because you you lost your sword maybe or you lost your spear, or whatever you had, or you're off your horse, you know. So um, then this is where the throws and the locks and you know the strikes and everything came into play. And so you know when when you know that was not a necessity anymore and you can say whether it was because of like the the restoration of japan or it was because of you know this or that that circumstance or because of the introduction of guns and all that it it fell out of favor uh, as a combative art but you know and i think that you, you can't really talk about the history of of without talking extensively about jigoro kano who uh systematized the the, the kodokan and really kept jiu alive and uh, in the form of judo, especially and put, you know, kind of a, a training system together that was something that was doable where you didn't have to um, cause too much physical damage to your opponent. Uh, but you could train as realistically as possible. You know, uh, now that became a very sportive endeavor. Um, if you look at judo nowadays, there's a lot more rules in judo than there are even in, in a jiu-jitsu tournament, which er, is a lot. But You know, he was he was the man that really kept it alive. So if you look at that and you talk about the history of how that traveled and and who did what, what what role that Maeda played in coming to to Brazil and what what presence Jiu Jitsu had in Brazil prior to his arrival and and after his arrival, what what impact the Gracie family had on it. All this stuff leads up to um, kind of a um, the importance that preservation of reality fighting was placed on on Jiu Jitsu. And if you really want to talk about fighting in its truest essence, you talk about one person versus one person in hand-to-hand combat, you know, who's, who has the best system and the best strategy and the best technique set to efficiently defeat that other person. Like, that's the essence of, of fighting. Now, um, from there, we can get into a thousand arguments about, well, jiu-jitsu is great this uh, and i'm going based off of the comments i get on my videos (laughs) so so it's like jiu-jitsu is great for a one-on-one thing where there's rules involved and you know multiple attackers aren't involved but then what about weapons what about multiple attackers what about um you know it's it's dark outside what about there's glass and and broken uh, bottles on the ground and there's hypodermic needles discarded that you're going to land on if you go to the ground and it's just it gets, if
1: Someone throws, uh, starts throwing strikes, and jujitsu doesn't stop strikes. And uh, right, it's it's agile, just all that kind of stuff as well.
0: Yeah, it's it, it gets it gets ridiculous. And now, if most of that is a fallacious argument, most people who understand the nature of violence and the nature of fighting, and who really want to pursue that and want to get better at fighting, they don't deny the the efficacy and the necessity of learning grappling. You know, learning learning fighting in a grappling based environment and typically that that's uh jujitsu you know i mean that i i can i went through um a firearms course it was it was actually a uh, close quarters fighting but it was firearms based course with uh, craig douglas who's an absolute uh brilliant man that understands the nature of of violence but um you should have him on your show if you could ever if you if you can get him on the show like he's an absolute uh brilliant man to talk to um but i remember him saying during that there was so much emphasis on wrestling and on jiu-jitsu it's like if you're going to carry a gun you better know your jiu-jitsu like that was that was one of the biggest things that was reiterated over and over again and um and absolutely it's true you know it's it's if you're going to get into if, if you're going to be involved in a close quarters physical confrontation especially if there are weapons involved especially then it, jiu-jitsu is not negated. Jiu-jitsu becomes more necessary, in my opinion.
1: Because that's the thing, isn't it, is You hear people saying, oh, it's no use if somebody pulls a knife out, if somebody pulls a bottle. But some of the first lessons I, um, I had in jiu-jitsu, like at Gracie Barra, were, mm-hmm. you know, to, how to block a fist, how to block a bottle, how to you know, what to do if somebody had, was using this as a weapon or came up behind. And, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it actually gives people a false sense of security, doesn't it? That if they've got a weapon, it means they're safe. But yeah. you, you know, you've seen those things where there, you know, somebody with a gun and somebody with a knife, and they were showing how many times somebody with a knife could actually stab that person. By the time they had done, you know, unhooked their holster, got their gun <laughs> out, aimed, and it was terrifying. But yeah, it may, you know. I think people forget that is it's like you said, you have to be able to know how to use your hands on your yep. feet in that before you
0: even comprehend using a weapon. So yeah. how so Well, the, does...
1: this is... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry,
0: no. Well, I was, I was just going to, like, on that point, I was just going to say uh, that, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned something along the lines of the TULER rule or the TULER theory, I guess, depending on how you want to talk about it, the 21-foot rule, where uh, someone drawing their firearm to put shots on target against someone with that's drawing a knife that's going going to stab them um the the old adage is 21 feet was typically the the time tested and proven kind of um distance that you needed to be able to like draw and get shots on target to be able to stop that threat with the knife coming at you um which has tons of holes and it has tons of issues with it but that's it's a it's a good example though of whenever people are like well if somebody has a knife i'll just shoot them you know um if if somebody has this weapon or that weapon then it's it doesn't really matter what you know because you're going to die anyway it's like uh maybe but damn you know i mean it's like if you get into a car wreck you know then you know you're probably going to get hurt is it not worth wearing your (laughs) seatbelt? is Mm -hmm. is it not worth having something in place that could save your life you know
1: because that's Uh, what they say about guys is every guy claims they could win a fight every guy claims they could get the girl you know there's only two (laughs) universal concepts and (laughs) Yeah, You know, you see that on, like, every uh, like mass shooting thing in the comments, people are always saying, a good guy with a gun could have done this, but mm. never mind the adrenaline pumping, the danger, the smoke, people running around, mm. the law enforcement mistaking them for being a bad guy, and, you know, it's. I think it's terrifying that we have, to, we're, A, that we're in this situation, society, but there's nothing we can do about it now, but... Do you think everybody should be doing a martial art? Everybody should be learning self defense to kind of remove the chickens from the coop when the fox is roaming, so to speak.
0: I I think that, and, and you know, regardless if it's uh, jujitsu or whatever, I think it, there's something to be had, something to be gained from training and learning and studying and physically participating and something that simulates violence. Because it's inevitable that that all of us are going to encounter violence of some form or fashion in our lives. And it's gonna be traumatic, like especially our first experiences with it and to a degree, uh, every experience thereafter. So I think for, for us to have some experience in, in that arena of violence um, is a... A helpful thing, um, because it's just part of life. It's it's even even if you're never around violence in your entire life, just the nature of training in combative arts or, or in you know sport uh, combat sports or, or whatever, you're going to be taken out of your comfort zone. And in in a controlled environment, that's always a positive thing to be taken out of your comfort zone. You know, we, we grow from be ta- being taken out of our comfort zone. We learn something about ourselves. You know, we we learn um, not not just like what we're positively capable of, but we also learn about some of those like deeper, darker, or ne- negative aspects of ourselves that we don't really want to confront. You know, so it's um, Jordan Peterson does a lot of good talks on on the nature of that about looking, uh, you know, looking into the dark elements of us and what we find when we look there and how we can benefit from looking at that that part of us that we don't want to uh, address you know we, we have to address it if we're going to grow from that
1: i see a lot of people mentioning him i'm gonna have to try to get him on because there's a whole side of our, our human psyche i think when i interviewed um uh, josh um, Barnett yesterday and he was talking mm-hmm. about the the difference about uh, our psychologies and why we fight and why we need to, the need to compete and stuff like that and you realize that to us it's just like maybe a hobby or exercise you know but there is actually a need for it like a, a physiological mm-hmm. need uh, in a our, our part of our brain kind of craves it from our forefathers and stuff maybe and so how? Yeah. I mean how does you how do you take a jujitsu thing that works in the that works in the hall works in the mats and how do you adapt it for fighting in the street can you take every single situ, every kind of technique that you would normally learn, say, under the Gracie Barra curriculum and adapt it to fight in the street? I mean, do you think there's – are there ever parts of jiu-jitsu that don't work?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, especially – I mean, it's I, – I absolutely love the sport of it. And I was just um, – I just taught – over the past couple of days, I, I've taught some lessons on uh, De daily Hiva guard and on some uh, lapel guard stuff. We actually were, we were discussing the difference in a uh, worm guard and squid guard. <laughs> and so, like, these extremely sportive things. And if you watch a lot of, uh, especially in this year's worlds, there was a lot of lapel play. I mean, even more so than in past years, which was always a lot of, like, like uh, skirt and lapel like guard work. And it's, it's really cool to watch. And it's a really cool facet of the game. But, I mean, I, it's really difficult for me. I would really have to make a lot of concessions um, and excuses to really be able to say that's applicable in, like, a street fight, you know. But yeah. it, it, here's the thing. That the foundation is, is laying at the same place, whether you go, like, way far into left field of sport or, you know, you, you, you dismiss that stuff. It's, there, there still has to be fundamental aspects of movement of understanding of your body, of structure, of coordination, of um, you know, of how how do you how do you break someone's balance? How do you disrupt somebody's structure? How do you manipulate that person energetically? Um, it, it all still applies, you know. It, energetically, everything is is going to be a push or a pull motion at the at a core base level. How do you manipulate that? You know, um, how do you how do you fork somebody between? Uh, Two undesirable outcomes and and you have answers for both of those and then you see which path they take and you can Take advantage of that. So I mean these these things all apply to fighting across the board And that's why I still I don't have a problem with people referring to jiu-jitsu matches even the sportiest ones as fights Which that's a kind of a contentious statement Whenever you you hear people it's like jiu-jitsu matches aren't fights because you don't you don't get to do this You don't do that. It's like yeah, but man nobody has a problem with calling a boxing match a fight you know? And I don't either. It's fine, call it a fight. But look at how many rules there are in a boxing match versus how many rules there are in jiu-jitsu. And I think that you'll find there's a lot more rules in boxing than there are in jiu-jitsu as far as fighting is concerned. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's not a. I don't feel like that's the most popular <laughs> like opinion, but um, I feel like I can argue it fairly well. So getting back to your original point, though, as far as can, can you adapt everything in jiu-jitsu to whatever context, there's a lot of cross Cross application. There's a lot of modalities of jujitsu that that apply to both situations, but no, not everything can apply. There there has to be modification. There has to be um, consideration for striking and and um, you know for all that stuff that people like to harp on in the comment section about multiple attackers and weapons and yada yada yada. So,
1: because that's the thing as you see these guys that say. You know, oh, I would pull the pull guard, and I think um, we had uh, <laughs> Professor Lagarto come up, and he was saying, "Yeah, somebody tried to pull a guard, and a guy tried to steal out his bag, and the guy just hit him in the head with a bit of wood nearby and stole his watch." You know, and he was just like, "You know, it's fine to do guard and all that kind of stuff, but you're opening yourself up to a lot of danger." So, mm. but. How do we I mean I loved your videos that you look at like using somebody's t shirt or using your jacket to control somebody, but what would you say to the argument that a lot of mothers put forward that they say, you know, you should never get in a fight anyway? You should know the situation's bad before you leave it. You know, what's the kind of situational red flags that somebody's doing that you know, that you could prepare you that you need to use jujitsu? Because there's a lot of great throws there's a lot of great chokes that you can use in those situations but how do you know some you know you're going to have to use them have you found sort of yeah. universal concepts that stand out for you
0: um i don't know about universal because i mean there's uh, as soon as as soon as you you kind of come up with good answers for something like that you find the exception to the rule you know i mean it's um i was watching a video the other day that someone sent me and it was these two ladies were just walking down the sidewalk, and everything looked completely normal. And this guy was walking in front of them and just walked right in between them, even though they were close together, and simultaneously punched both of them in the chest. And one was an older lady, and she fell down on the ground. And when the video ended, I had no idea the damage that you know she had sustained. And the guy just kept on walking. There was no preemption. There were very limited um, contextual clues about that he was going to do something violent like that. Um, I do think that uh, a, a bit more situational awareness could have been issued on the side of the ladies. Uh, they could have noticed a couple of things, but I think situa- situational awareness is—it's, uh, yeah, maybe one of the most important things. But it's not everything. Uh, the crazy stuff can happen. There was a shooting just today um, at a Walmart in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it it happened just that, yeah. a few hours, yeah, a few hours ago. There's as many as 22 uh, injured or dead. Um, you know it, and this this happened just uh, there was another one this week there was a shooting in a walmart here in the states and it's you know the crazy crazy things that are very unexpected just happen you know so you have to it's not about situational awareness yes absolutely it's important notice sketchy people uh, regardless of how politically incorrect it is profile people in a situation where you happen to be in the context where you happen to be if somebody looks scarier to you you don't have to have the politically correct reasons why that person looks scary to you they if they're giving you an uneasy feeling categorize that like like you know take inventory of that and maybe uh efface yourself from that situation at the first possible time that you can you know i um that, that's that is what i liked about your
1: older videos you know you went into a thing of if somebody just comes up to you close or you're in a crowded situation because situational awareness mm-hmm. is great but if you're in a club and somebody somebody bumps into you out of nowhere, you don't have the mm-hmm. option to sort of sit there and go, "Okay, I'll walk away." In that, it can just yeah. happen, like you said. You know, oh. if you're in a mall or somewhere like that, or if you're in a shop and there's too many people around you, you might be in a situation where you it's life or death. You've got to use it there yeah. and then.
0: Absolutely. Well, play play this game. You know, I mean, and this is these are the t- type of things that are difficult to draw difficult for several reasons one of them is just because we're we're uncomfortable doing it it's just awkward it's just uncomfortable and awkward but but we'll play this drill where you and a training partner or a couple of training partners are standing around and your job or, or the, the person's job that you're approaching is to make sure that they maintain a safe distance from you, safe being that they can't reach you um, from arm's length to be able to like strike you or something like that or tackle you maybe. So you, that that's the distance that you have to maintain. And then you, as the the encroacher or the approacher, walks up in a hurried manner, yelling obscenities, saying, "Hey, you fucked my girlfriend. I found you. I'm going to do this to you and this and that." And see how close you can get before that person has a chance to even raise their hands or before they have a chance to even stop you in your tracks with any kind of question, with any kind of statement verbally, you know, or, or, or see how off-put they are in that controlled environment, knowing that you're still their friend and you're not actually going to attack them, you know, see like what happens like that. I mean, it's 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 startling to know that. And then you put that into a real context that could really actually happen. If somebody, It could be a complete you know, case of mistaken identity. Somebody thinks that you're the person who they saw um, hit their car and drive off, or you're the person that somebody told them, um, you know, uh, was, was sleeping with your girlfriend or whatever. It's, you know, th- there's all the situational awareness in the world, um, you know, can't stop you from being blindsided in, in a context like that.
1: Uh, or it could be just somebody just wanting, looking for trouble, you know, had oh, a full-time sure. girlfriend and yeah. thats I found myself in that situation where be, just because I was 6 foot plus I think it kind of stopped the guy escalating it but that was back when I wouldn't know what to do whereas now mm. I think I, I can use my physicality a bit more, I can use some of the techniques I know if, I, if it mm. came to it but you mentioned in a Gracie Barra I think it was Gracie Barra rules podcast you did where you were talking uh, yeah, about Gracie yeah, Jiu Jitsu Mm-hmm. that's the one it's um yes. air blood and pain chokes and you know how a lot of the moves that they teach in self-defense fall under these sort of three categories could you go into a little bit about because not a lot of people understand the different kind of chokes and how they're sort of utilized you know like like is there a kind of ranking system in your opinion um because i train i kind of appreciate but for somebody who's new to it you know what's the difference oh. between an air choke a blood choke and a pain choke and which is the most useful ones
0: sure yeah well I think the point that I was um, talking about specifically with chokes was you know we were you know I was talking about the elements of uh, of a choke and every every choke has you know three aspects to it and it's every choke is going to be painful um, to some degree you know some some more than others every choke is going to affect the the wind um, your ability to breathe and every choke is gonna affect the blood flow um, of you know, the arteries uh, surrounding the neck and um, The point that I was trying to make is that I was um, oh, uh, Yeah, so uh, the point that I was trying to make was that we want to focus on the blood because the blood is gonna have the most effective and most efficient um, response to incapacitate the person, you know, whereas like with the, the air you can armor your your windpipe or your trachea better with the muscles of the neck um with the uh pain pain is is kind of relative and pain is not really reliable um depending on you know the the ability of the person to withstand pain and the context of the situation and adrenaline and all these things so you know the one that we want to focus on is is that is actually the uh you know we want to see what can get the cleanest blood choke for that you know because that that's what you're do. referring to
1: yeah well I mean the way I used to always look at it was like there's air chokes where you would try to shut off the air to the brain and then there was the blood uh, like the blood one where well sorry the blood to the brain and then there's ones where you would try to stop the person breathing and much, but there was the the pain one where you you would use like Kamuras or key locks or stuff you know to kind of incapacitate them yeah
0: absolutely i, I mean i think as- I think that no it's i uh, i i i think that that's um whenever it comes to pain, I tend to say, I used to say pain is not reliable. I say it's less reliable because you you don't know, depending on, you know, in training, I can get somebody to tap from something that's painful um, because there's not as much on the line. There's not as much adrenaline involved. There's not, you know, all the different aspects of it. This this person is, is, you know, my training partner and they're going to recognize something as being painful and they're going to like give up to that. Whereas in more of a competitive environment or an actual fight, that's, that's not going to be, as nearly as reliable
1: so what what would you use like say you had to develop a framework for this you know if you were to look at techniques to say you had to pick say three techniques that the average joe on the street should learn you know would that be a case of looking at like guillotines rear naked chokes hip throw or you know is there several things like kimuras um, other chokes other nature, other things that everybody should have in the arsenal so to speak
0: yeah I think that uh, it's, it's tricky it's very tricky if, if we're talking about if we're talking about jujitsu techniques for a, a street fight you know then I think that joint submissions are they, they should be a second or third tier I think positional Um, Considerations should be above everything else. You know, you've been able to take somebody to the ground, um, secure a position, or let's not say take them to the ground just for argument's sake. If people say, you know, well, you shouldn't go to the ground in the street fight because whatever reason. But let's say if you have to understand how to fight on the ground, understanding how the positions work and the transitions uh, between positions, how to escape bad positions, how to capitalize on good positions, and how to make how to upgrade from position to position. That's that's first, because that's gonna allow you the ability to control that person structurally, uh, even if they're more physical than you are. You know, if you have a better understanding of how to move around on the ground, then you can take somebody who's more athletic and you can dominate that person because they don't understand how to efficiently move. Um, so that's first. I think that if you're looking to incapacitate the person, um, things like chokes like uh, uh, blood chokes i think would be the highest tier because nobody can continue to fight once they're unconscious like I, I, not not well anyway <laughs> so you 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 think like that would be the the first level of trying to incapacitate someone now the next level i would say you know possibly um you know we could argue whether that would be joint manipulation um, looking for submissions like arm locks and things like that like kimura and americana and whatever, oh, or, you know, is or striking. I, for me, striking is kind of a filler. Um, my, my opinion about striking in a, in a fight on the ground is that striking should um, enhance your ability to transition from position to position. It should close spaces that are open that aren't useful for you. It should open spaces that are closed that aren't useful for you, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever you get too caught up in the strike to be the end-all, be-all technique, then you tend to lose a little bit of focus of the position. You make yourself a little bit easier to escape from um, or a little bit easier for the other person to upgrade the position because you aren't paying as close attention as you need to be for it. Um, so, okay, well, I, you know, get... I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, like, because that's the thing, isn't it? Is a lot of people say, oh, jiu-jitsu guys just pull to guard and go to the ground, but that's <laughs> yeah. not true at all, you know? No, it's
0: not. I, I think, you know, anybody who thinks that that... Maybe there are jujitsu guys out there who are so incompetent as to think that, you know, you're going to, you know, jump guard in a street fight and try to go for a birambolo and and then, you know, like try to uh, take the guy's uh, jacket and wrap it up like a lasso guard and do all this stuff. Maybe there are people that think that I don't, I haven't met any of them. I think that most people with a brain that even if they, they play more sports jujitsu, they know there are certain things that they don't need to do on concrete against a striking opponent. You know, I, I, uh, Mr. Jiu Jitsu, uh, who's, who's a very controversial, you know, kind of character in the Jiu Jitsu community, but he's, he says a lot of good things and he's, you know, he, there's a, a famous meme that he said, and, it, um, he said, you know, a, a sport BJJ guy will still kick your ass in a fight. And I think ultimately that's what it boils down to. It's like, you're, you're, What is it that you're training that's so deadly and so dangerous that you think that um, this incompetent BJJ guy that's just going to pull guard on you in the street, you know, that you can just, like, dismantle him so well? And I think that most of those statements about, well, BJJ guy would just do this or that, those are made by people who are completely ignorant of what BJJ is about, about what jiu-jitsu is about. They've, They've seen it maybe. They've maybe seen a lot of it, but they haven't trained. You know, they haven't gotten on the mats. I I refuse to believe that to any like extensive degree. Nobody is going to trash talk jujitsu like that if they've actually experienced it. You know, I I, just, I find that hard to believe.
1: Well, I mean, I get the the whole time somebody that's maybe done a couple of boxing classes, they think that means they could destroy jujitsu because right. you know right. they could, there's no way you could possibly close a gap and stop them from <laughs> punching. You know, there's no way you could possibly throw them or get behind them or. Right. Any anything of that nature, or use their extended arm to break it. a you know multiple of arm locks, it's. I find it yeah. hilarious that this, it's like a lot. It's fake confidence that people they don't ex- understand what people are able to do. You know, there's the drunk guy that throws at a bouncer who's got years of experience in taekwondo and jitsu and is a black belt and karate. You know, there's it's so commonplace now for people to get more training that. It's I don't know where this sort of stupidity still exists. it's it, it's' it is scary, like because you never know who who you could be fighting if if you go down that road.
0: yeah, absolutely, and that's the that's the thing. I think that um when people tend to put down uh, when when you see people make these kind of comments, it, typically it's made by people who have a severe lack of training anyway, or they've just dabbled in something, they feel very insecure about the level of training that they've reached and they worry, you know, they they're extremely worried about, Oh my God, what would I do if somebody actually took me to the ground and, you know, got mounted on top of me? Like what, how would I get out of that? What would I do? And rather than remedying that with going out and, and taking some Jiu Jitsu classes or learning about, you know, that environment when, in which they're uncomfortable, they would rather, you know, um, Sit behind a keyboard and, and criticize the, somebody else, like teaching these kind of things, or, or somebody else examining these kind of things, or doing these kind of things. Um, and I, I think it happens on the other end of it too. I mean, now I I don't want to just demonize everybody who's not jujitsu. This is very important. I think um, a lot of jujitsu guys get very chauvinistic. You know, they get very um, blindly patriotic to jujitsu. And I've I've been there. And I I, I, I would definitely say that I have tendencies to, to fall back into those those mentalities, too. Um, you, you can't go out and think, you know, well, I would just, here, all I have to do is just, you know, close the distance, grab you, drag you to the ground, and choke you out, you know? Yeah, maybe, but you definitely need to understand the nature of striking, too, and you need to understand other things that can happen in a fight, in a no-roll situation, and you need to think about situational awareness. You need to think about context, you need to think about other environmental factors that's very important. And and that's, that's the aspect of jujitsu, um, people these days that I worry about, uh, because I am a a jujitsu guy more than anything else. And I worry about people like losing the effectiveness of it and the efficiency of it and, and the reality of it and just thinking that it's far superior and that's all they need. And that, you know, they, they would just handle any situation easily. And, you know, that, I think it's. I think it's something that needs to be watched and monitored.
1: You no. Know? Yeah, because that is the thing: is people kind of think, "Oh well, that'll do the one art will f- stop every single attack, every single situation," and you're in for a very rude awakening if you think that. But I mean, how you do teach a lot of like law enforcement courses, and you know, you teach these guys to how to control people and stuff. But I mean, how is that how do you teach somebody like in that situation like it could be uh, a young girl who's got who's never had any training at all it could be a guy who's been bullied his whole life and isn't used used to using their physical nature or aggressive side to control somebody you know how do we go about learning how to control somebody that's coming over and swinging you know you don't want to hurt the person but you want to restrict them and just kind of control them till they calm down you know how do you even yeah. go about teaching somebody like that
0: it's difficult I mean I, I think that's why I feel like um that's why I feel like honestly this this art this this system this style was not meant to be taught to large masses of people at once uh when you see like packed gyms and everything like that's it's cool and all and every and as a as a academy owner you, you wanna have that. You wanna have a full mat of people and in, in their in training and everything. But the, the, the best way that this can be conveyed is one on one. And it's not just because you, you're able to get across the details better in a, a conversation one person to one person, but you're able to, to recognize that person's learning style. You're able to recognize their physical abilities and limitations, um, and their and their needs to you know be able to you know convey the information in the most palatable way for that person and that's the difficult thing because it, when you just put a blanket lesson out there and say okay this is the technique this is how you do it this is how you train it whatever well then you're going to run into a lot of exceptions in that so i mean ultimately the the best way is to take in a student and work with that person one-on-one understand what that person's capable of doing and what they need to improve on and everything else intimately with that person um to be able to get them to where they need to be you know otherwise you're you're relegated to teaching um something to a group of people and you're going to have a higher you know the the lowest common denominator is what you're going to have to teach to in that environment Uh, you're going to have somebody who's completely having a difficult time with that technique or that 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 situation or that whatever thing that you're working and you're going to have somebody who catches on to it so easily that they assimilate it and then you know they they need to move on past that. they need more. So um, you know there's no there's no easy answer. but teaching to the lowest common denominator in the room is you know typically the best way to approach it, I feel like putting in the details that if the person that's that's the most inept in the room, they don't get them, they're still going to get a, at least a decent enough framework to be able to apply that to what they have available for them. And then the person who is, Able to reach that in the room, you know they're going to be interested enough and kept interested on the the, the basic aspect of that technique to be able to get something out of it, even though it's, um, you know, something that's more palatable to a beginner.
1: Yeah, I love that because it kind of explains why at the moment, like I'm a blue belt now, and I've i been I got my blue belt was it like in December last year? Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, just the December past, and. The number of times I've sat there and I thought why are we still going back over this and I realise it's for the people <laughs> yes. who are just coming in, where blue belts and above are expected to learn about it yourself, you're to find your own game, to you know to keep developing and pushing from that point and kind of exploring it in your own point yeah. and I like the way you kind of put it because it, it certainly makes more sense to people who come in and start thinking oh well my coach is just rubbish I'm not learning you know it's it's your journey to go from there you know
0: I think a good coach though should um be able to put enough into it and be able to read the room I mean if I have a room full of you know say an average class is maybe like 15 to 20 people and if I had that that group in there I should be able to read the room and kind of tell just generically at least you know what what's the environment and so i try my best if i'm showing the most basic like a like a trap and roll escape from mount i'm showing up escape you know i i i want to put i want to at least make sure that i mention a detail or two that i feel like the highest rank in that room doesn't know you know it's just just to see if they're paying attention <laughs> to to see if they've zoned out and they're like oh sh- we're working on this again okay whatever you know and then they just kind of their eyes glaze over and wait until because i see that happen a lot i've seen that happen in classes i've been in and classes that i've taught that people see what I start to show or see what's starting to be shown, and then they just kind of lose focus because it's like, oh, I already know this one. I've seen it when Hoist does a seminar. I see eyes glaze over and it's like, oh, we're working on this again. It's like, man, I, I've been learning from that guy for over two decades, and he can still show something. I, I've seen him teach a hundred times, and I'll still get a little detail. It may be something tiny, but I, I'll mm-hmm. still get something out of that because I'm looking really hard, I know that I can't do that move as well as he can. So even if he doesn't explain it perfectly, I'll watch closely to see like what what's that new detail I'm going to get from this, you know? And there's there's almost always something. So you know, you I think that it's um it's a very dangerous thing, and this is something that is difficult to to, to impress upon people whenever they're studying is that find a new way all the time to fall in love with that technique all over again. <laughs> You know, I, I equate it like my daughter doesn't have a new technique for hugging me. <laughs> but, you know, I still love every single hug that I get from her. So it's like, you know, treat the techniques like that. You know, like like love it for what it is. Don't hate it for what it's not.
1: I actually love that because it, when I first started, you know, it was difficult for me to kind of go, you know, it was, you know, you get your ego and you start going, oh, yeah, I've done that. I know that why are we doing this again and again? But it's like you're saying, since I went back to training with a fundamental class, you relearn little things and it fixes your technique and it, it makes you excited because you get people coming and asking you questions, you know, and you start changing how you, you start coaching as well in a way, so you start getting that buzz from that. But you also start noticing mm. the little movements because you can understand the concepts better. You can understand what the coach is doing and, the movement patterns, man. we've got two fantastic assistant coaches and I think I've completely learned the everything again just from a couple of classes with them because they really go into the basics, they um, they like drill and drill on the fundamentals I think uh-huh. it's like, is it Hoyce and is it Kurt or Sander and they're all saying they can win championships mm-hmm. with just the fundamentals if yeah. you can do it you know, you do that thing 5,000 times, it becomes muscle memory. And if, I mean, is there something that you've adapted to your training schedule, you know, that has made your skill development, like, shorten in comparison to somebody else who's, like, been training the same amount of time as you? You know, <clears> is it your focus on the fundamentals? Is it your self-defense, which has made you realize the cut the chaff and, you know, roll and compete with people in a kind of self-defense approach, or you know, what's made you yeah, so successful? I,
0: I, well, I don't. I mean, uh, well, first of all, like uh, beyond all that, like I, I'm nothing special. Like it's, there, there's, I, I'm not, um, I'm not gonna be on a, a competitive stage with you know an, an Abu Dhabi champion. You know, I mean, it's there, there's, there's a very different um, uh, approach with that. And and if I wanted to compete like in a few weeks, then I would have to like really change a lot of things about my, my competition schedule. If I wanted to fight in, in several months, then I would have to change a lot of things about my approach to it. But I, I try to, I try to maximize what I get out of my training, um, every time that I get to train. So I train typically, uh, you know, I don't have, but maybe one or two days that I don't train, you know, if, if that during the week, and that's a lot of times that's because of travel. But, um, you know, I I try to get in and I try to do the training that I can when I can to the best degree that I can. And a lot of that depends on your training partners and everything else and your schedule and your physicality and, you know, where you're at right now. But, um, you know, it's, I, I have the, the, um, the, the fortune, you know, the good fortune to, you know, I've had a lot of time in to be able to learn what I need to do to maximize my training time. You know, so it's, um, I need to make sure that I'm rolling Plenty and that 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 to me is one of the biggest cornerstones of everything. So whether regardless if I'm gonna um, Be doing more self-defense or more sport or you know What what my lessons for the week look like and what I need to be focused on or if I have a seminar coming up or whatever Or a course that I'm teaching. I I still need to be rolling because rolling to me Makes all the connections, you know, it's even if we're we're just rolling in the gi no strikes um, Not even that big of a um, emphasis on self-defense or whatever we're just rolling me and me and a partner being in that moment and having that connection and learning like feeling out those positions transitions how can I make this position more solid and more stable how can I corrupt his structure better you know how can I manage my structure better how can I hunt this submission in in a more secure way in a more efficient way how can I make everything more efficient constantly that's that that translates across the board you know then then i can isolate segments of that and go back and be like okay well let's let's add some elements into this you know let's let's involve strikes now let's throw a knife into this and see what how that completely dismantles the entire thing you know so uh, you know that that to me is the biggest gauge of um managing um you know everything in jujitsu contextually
1: yeah i mean that's why i love your channel because you don't just show the technique and just go right by you know you kind of go into it deep you show how you by maneuvering in certain ways is going to affect somebody what would happen if like you said throwing a weapon what would what would happen if somebody did this you answer the kind of questions that the beginners don't know they needed to ask where the blue belts are going to ask you know you kind of you can see the level of experience and the technical expertise that you have. And that's what it's one of the best channels going. And I mean, I've watched so many different ones when I first started and I keep coming back to yours because I get so much every single time i watch a video over and over. And each time I'm picking out something else, I'm seeing the different movements, Your, your content is fantastic. But what do you think about the accessibility of YouTube you know, like all these guys who maybe haven't got that level of skill, shall we say, who are, are only there just to make money, you know? Sure, yeah. You, I, should I think, there be uh, a, a, like a grading system that allows them?
0: I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, like first of all, like thank you for everything you said about my channel and about my teaching. Like that's, that's really uh, – I really appreciate all that because it's, uh, you know, every – I think everybody like second guesses themselves a lot, so I, I definitely that that means a ton to me to hear those kind of things. Um, as far as like everybody, this is the dysfunction of social media in general, right? I mean, uh, I can get on to um, I could get on to a political forum right now and discuss like foreign policy, and ostensibly, I'm in the same comment section with. Um, people with political science degrees who have like, you know, worked with the United Nations and stuff. And and I have zero, I have zero, um, qualifications to be able to have that conversation with somebody. But because of the structure of social media, I get an equal voice in that comment section. So Mm -hmm. that starts to go to people's heads, you know, and, you know, so on the, the, the end that you're talking about, yeah, someone can get on right now, um, onto YouTube and start up a channel. And, um, you see, you know, typically if we're all doing the same structure of videos, then the cream should rise to the the, the top. You know, it should, you should see just based on someone's, someone's movement or somebody's ability to explain the technique or somebody's ability to break things down into approachable form for everybody that should stand out. The problem with that though, is that, um, I mean, I could, I could make a viral video tomorrow. I promise I could. Like, it, all I have to do is come up with the right clickbait title, uh, make something very sensational for a thumbnail uh, for the, the video, um, you know, promote it in the, the most, like, um, dishonest ways possible. Like, it's, it's not hard. Um, but, you know, when, when you try to do things with, with some modicum of, like, ethical integrity, then it, it becomes a little harder. Um, I don't know how to remedy that. You know I mean people are gonna people are gonna like take the shortcuts every shortcut of imagine imaginable you know um, and you know I, I've I've gotten to points whenever I was like you know thinking about doing a, a title for a video and I'm like ah man that's it's a little clickbait ish right there now it's it's okay if it's a little like that if you can explain it you know i mean you see some people who do a really good job i think of like shane Faison; he does a good job he's got some very clickbait titles and clickbait thumbnails on some of his videos but as soon as not very long into the video you'll see that he explains away why he titled it that you know not he didn't just try to lure you in just so he can get that view or he'd get that subscriber out of you but uh, i think that the biggest thing is for people just to remain intellectually honest with with what they're doing um try to uphold the integrity of what they're doing. I think that that will hopefully um, shine through, you know, more than anything else. But there's no way to, I think there's no way to really stop it. I think any any measure that we take, though, the the thing that that scares me, that worries me, is any measure that's taken to try to ensure that people don't manipulate and and that don't, you know, uh, the right people are are doing the right things, it, it gets a little bit dangerous with the censorship aspect of it you know and, and then uh, the the other people who are trying to do the right things tend to suffer for that you
1: know yeah it's it's one of those kind of social media is meant to bring us together and we've ended up creating a way of doing it that is actually creating massive wedges you know and yeah. is it the oh, is it the Kruger I can't remember the exact name of it it's something Kruger effect yeah the Dunning Kruger effect yeah. that's yeah. So I know. Mm-hmm. and and it's it shows into it? it's like the loudest people are usually the ones that know the less about it, and yeah. people who do know who could change people's opinions and teach them the right way end up just going, I'm not I'm not going to bother I'm not getting into the <laughs> argument. Yeah, and, there's uh, a there's was,
0: a quote of, along with that that I like a whole lot, and it was from Robert Piercing and I always paraphrase it. I don't know the exact quote, but I think it's from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. But it says. Uh, um, no one is screaming from the uh, top of the mountains that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Uh, Nobody is fanatical about something for which there's no doubt. You know, usually the people who are the most fanatical about a viewpoint tend to be the ones who are the most doubtful of that viewpoint, and most insecure about that, and they're not—they're not being allowed to convince everybody else as much as they're being allowed to reinforce their own opinion. So it's—it's—it is that Dunning-Kruger effect that you know, like. People that are so convinced that that their way is the best way that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna just kind of shit on everyone else's viewpoint for that. So,
1: because we've all got those ones in the gym, don't we, who come in and you know, (laughs) the best jiu jitsu guy in the world and they they could easily smash everybody, but you notice they never roll with the higher belts, they always roll with like (laughs) the new ones and the guys like the young girl that they know they can smash because it keeps them feeling confident in themselves but they never want to really kind of push themselves. And I think that's that's the greatest thing about jiu-jitsu. It's got that evolution aspect that it allows you to really push yourself and take your philosophy, you know, your way of training development, the way you look at yourself to the next level. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Excuse the pun. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been going on for over an hour. I can't believe its I feel like we've just touched the surface. Are you, are you okay to do a <laughs> few more? Or Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. Well, something that I really struggle with myself is the ability to use my aggression. I mean, I'm six foot three, um, muscular, strong guy, highland built, you know, worked animals, all that sort of stuff. But I've always been brought up to be taught that, you know, well you're the big giant. You know, watch your you don't know your own strength and to watch for out for everybody. So I still find it difficult when I'm rolling with somebody to switch on the the killer instinct. I suppose you could call it. And I've noticed a lot sure. of new white belts mention that too. Is they they're not sure how to you know you're not trying to kill somebody in training, but you're there to, you're trying to control them and use the technique. How did you learn how to do that?
0: I, well, I, I had a different um, had kind of the, the opposite experience uh, of you probably because I was when I started when I started in jiu Jitsu, I was uh, very scrawny, uh, very weak. like i mentioned before, I was uh, very non-athletic um, kind of kid. so um, I, I didn't really have those as options. I, I didn't really have like a lot of physical aggression and, and the, the ability to, to smash or anything like that or the size or whatever. Um, but you know, I've, I, over time I've, you know, my body has changed my, my ability has, my ability has changed obviously. And, uh, I've worked with a lot of people who I've seen go through, um, that, that same kind of challenge on both ends of it. Um, this, this is something kind of interesting that I've seen more successful T- typically when you have somebody come in who's bigger, stronger, more aggressive, wants to smash, wants to use their strength, um, you know, or you have somebody who comes in as very passive, and very, like, uh, uh, light and wants to, you know, just content to, to play, like, things and, and allow themselves to get bent into pretzel- pretzels and everything else, those those two opposite ends, um, I think that a lot of times, uh, myself included, I think instructors tend to try to figure out ways to balance them out and try to get them back towards center. But if you kind of envision it as, um, like, the uh, uh, Newton's Cradle, like the those silver clacky ball things you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you you kind of have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum so you have to take that big strong heavy smashy guy and you have to get him to experience what it's like to play using as little energy as possible you know and i'm not saying try to transform in him into that but make him experience that because that to, to me what i've seen is that's been a lot more effective in balancing out his ability to approach um you know, the, the situation is so rolling and everything else with and, and be able to put a, um, a muffler or be able to put some kind of like regulator on the amount of energy and strength and effort that he uses whenever he's he, he's experienced what it's like to be completely passive, you know, completely soft, you know, and on the other end of it. Now, that's actually the easier one, in my opinion, taking somebody who who is on the other end of that typically because they don't have that as an option to play bigger or stronger, or heavier, smashing. But if you can get that person, though, to play extremely aggressive sometimes, and you have to do this in a controlled environment, you have to do this with somebody who's obviously got a higher skill set that can let them do this. Um, but that tends to have the, the biggest effect on changing their approach to it, on, on on giving them the ability to to have multiple options as far as energies go in their game, rather than just trying to tone it down or tone it up
1: yeah because that's the thing in self-defense situations it's fine teaching somebody how to do things but if they've never been allowed to let that side of themselves out or to accept it or to you know to utilize it they don't know how to actually start it a lot of times people who know what to do don't even get a chance they're knocked out before they even get a chance to kind of do their training because they're not used to how to control somebody physically to and to get into that position it's it's a weird one it's it's something I struggled with at the start I'm a lot better now, but I was always the kind of it was strange to have people in that close to me and no. like I wasn't used to it sometimes I phase out and I'm in my head thinking about something at work and then all of a sudden somebody launches themselves at you and you forget people are there <laughs> yeah. to choke you out to tap you to it quickly yeah. gets you back in the in the moment and that's what i love about jiu jitsu you're back in yes. the moment you ain't got the choice to kind of dilly dally out your head but
0: that's that's probably the, the most uh, that's probably the best thing about jiu jitsu training it's i can't think of anything better um, than than having something like that and i mean i guess whatever you can have in your life that does that for you is great but jiu jitsu just tends to do it in such a dramatic way you can't you can't be too disconnected from the moment you know, if if you do, you're gonna pay for it. And karma is instant in jitsu too. That's another good thing about it. So it's like whenever you, you know, if you're not completely present in the moment, then you know you suffer, and it's pretty immediate, and it's it's pretty bad. So it's one of those things that makes you, um, uh, it, it gives you the practice of drawing yourself back into the present moment. and that's that's one of the most difficult things to do, especially in modern times where there's so many distractions and so many concerns and worries, and we're we're constantly trying to multitask or whatever.
1: Yeah, because it's I can still remember coming into some rules when I first started, and my head would go down after the first one if somebody tapped me or beat me or you know, and I. My ego was so bad when I first started I was thinking of it in terms of winning or losing. Not did I develop. Mm-hmm. Not did I have fun. And I'd go and I'd have sometimes come away on a Friday and I'd still be annoyed about it, thinking about it on Monday morning. And it, it was yeah. amazing. I I couldn't believe like, but that's the thing. It's I'd rather go to my deathbed knowing that I tried it than regretting it. And I think that's the stage. There's different levels, in not there? And it's was well it they say white belts you don't know what you don't know blue belts you know there's a lot you don't know for purple belts you start trying to learn the things you don't know and then is it brown belt no I remember, is it brown belt something else then black belt <laughs> you've only just started learning jiu-jitsu yeah. And then you <laughs> have to start yes. yeah yeah
0: that's the that's the thing and i think uh i think with jujitsu, it really like uh, um imposes that even more like more dramatically than and you know, I don't want to speak out of turn and, and say that you know other martial arts are not like this. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of martial arts like that. But typically, with Jujitsu, because it took so long to get to that black belt level, um, you realize that you're you've still got a long ways to go. Like that's not the top of the mountain at all. It's like you've you just it's just a new course on your journey. Honestly, I mean, it's a definitely a huge accomplishment. But you know, you you just you're you are scratching the surface. Whereas you know, it's it's been. Uh, historically and kind of traditionally represented as the black belt is like the master level of other arts, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like that in Jiu Jitsu. It's like, just, you know, now you're expected to kind of take personal ownership over your development a little bit more so than, than maybe you were before.
1: Well, it's something that you're very good at, um, you know, it's like talking in front of the camera and explaining the techniques and, you know, you've got a very great coach way of doing things, you know, and I'd love to come and train with you sometime, but what's your take on the people now who are getting into jiu-jitsu mainly because, like, the likes of Russell Brand, Demi Lovato, you know, this sudden surge of celebrities taking up jiu-jitsu, and how would you Hey, you say if you had them all lined up, what would you say to them to start becoming the better, the best student they can be? How can they learn jiu-jitsu properly and not just do it because their idol is doing it, but really <laughs> learn it and be a great student?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it's it can be a very good thing, you know, when you see somebody like Russell Brand or Demi Lovato, or um, Ashton Kutcher, or, you know, whatever celebrity here or there, like, doing jiu-jitsu, I think, I mean, it's, I'm happy to see it on one hand, because it's, it's drawing awareness um, to jiu-jitsu, and it's getting, it's getting it out there, like, hey, what, I didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu, but this person that I really like, and this celebrity that I really like what they do, is doing it, and they're talking highly about it, so I'm going to go check it out, so that's a positive thing for the growth of it, but, you know, there is the the counter argument to be made for, you know, well, it, it can kind of cheapen it because now it's a trendy thing. Now it's, now it's just like, it's cool because this cool person's doing it. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to like take a few classes and, and do some selfies in my gi and, you know, talk about how awesome jujitsu is. And it's, it turns it into like, like CrossFit, you know, it's like, you know, if I had to post about every training session and I have to like, you know, make it look like I'm doing more than I am, you know, that's, that's a little negative for, um, you know, for the proliferation of it. And mostly because that, that's going to, um, tend to fizzle out, you know, and whenever, um, I don't want to see it, there's nothing wrong with it being trendy, but the problem with trends is that trends tend to pass, you know, and I don't, I don't like to see that, you know, so it's, I would, I would probably take somebody who who's joining because, They've been a lifelong fan of everything that Demi Lovato does and now she's doing jiu-jitsu and they're gonna be like, you know I want to be like Demi. I want to do what Demi's doing So I'm gonna go out and join my local jiu-jitsu club and and take some classes say, you know separate separate the thing that person does from that person You know, that's the best thing we can do with all of our heroes, right? I mean, yeah I still think Kobe Bryant is probably one of the greatest basketball players of all time Michael Jackson made some of the greatest pop songs songs of all time. Bill Cosby did some of the funniest stand-up of all time, you know. Um, so did Louis C.K., and so did uh, Kevin Spacey, I think, is still a brilliant actor. You know, like, whether or not these people were sexual deviants or, uh, you know, whatever kind of other crime they were convicted of or whatever, uh, Mike Tyson, still one of the greatest boxers of all time, you know. Separate the thing from the person, you know. You don't, like, kill your heroes <laughs> as, as soon as you can, I think is, is something very important,
1: you know. Now it would seem a great time for a quick break. Um, I just want to give you a quick note about my affiliates um, that are available on the website. I've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies. You know the drill if you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates if you're listening to this if you're on the website itself you can either click the link through the show notes or if you click on affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the menu and um, you can go straight to my affiliate wonderland there are so many special offers here there's listener exclusive deals and there's discount codes available there really is something here for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself, a special occasion for somebody at Christmas, etc. You can find out whatever you need here. There's a lot of inspiring companies and interesting products, and there's plenty of things you might not have seen before. There really is something there for every occasion, like Secret Santa, birthdays, Christmases, um, and it's a perfect time to do your um, Christmas shopping because you can get a lot of good benefits at the moment. There's companies like Onit. Amazon, Me Andes, Barbell Apparel, Dollar Shape Club, there's companies who are helping you with dating, with sporting equipment, with tactical gear, outdoor equipment, gadgets and so much more. If you need it, it's probably there. If it's something you don't even know you, you're interested in, it's probably there. There's something there for everybody that doesn't matter what kind of interest they're in. If, you, if you're into improving your sex life, there's stuff there. If you're into improving your dating, there's stuff there. If you like camping and hiking, there's stuff there. There's sporting equipment, there's accessories for anything and everything. Simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates and enjoy. Please note, I know this is quite a topic that everybody's concerned about. I don't get any information on you or your purchases. All I receive is a small commission from the business as a thank you for sending you to shop with them. When we do the affiliate links, we do not get any information on you, your preferences, your shopping, etc. All your data is secure. The company just sends us a small commission as a thank you for driving you towards them to shop with. Now, this doesn't affect the price you pay, but it does help me with the money to then go and develop and expand the podcast and also to market it better and get better and better guests. So I'd like to say a massive thank you if you've used my links and for taking the time to spend through um, listening to my podcast it really helps me make the podcast a better um, site a better listen and a better quality by getting better mics etc so I cannot thank you enough for all the support if you have a chance please leave a review or a comment on the site it really helps me market it attract new listeners and also get better and better quality guests I really appreciate your support keep listening and enjoy it I love doing it and I'd love to hear what you think so please, if you get a chance, leave a review, leave comments. And if you're feeling generous, I would appreciate it if you could use my um, affiliates anymore. I would do this regardless, so enjoy. Now let's get back to the interview. Um, that's the thing, isn't it, is we forget that just because somebody does something, mm-hmm. they immediately says, oh, no, they're terrible at everything. And you think, well, no. no. You know, it's like Chris Benoit, the wrestler, was one of the greatest right. wrestlers in mm-hmm. the world. It, yep. Up to that point, and still probably is. Sure, but he did something horrific. But it, he—it's still if you take away him as a performer, like yes. as Paul Heyman once said, best in the world. Yeah. But you look at him as a person, he's yeah. scum. Yes. You know what I mean? It's and I, it's this. I don't like this kind of thing. Of I'm doing it because somebody told me it, or somebody fair enough, somebody recommended it. But I'm doing it because I want to be like somebody. Right, you know, fair enough. Get the inspiration for it, but do it for you because I get so much from jujitsu, and this is what I'm at the blue belt blues at the moment. Where you kind of, (laughs) I'm looking—is the gym right for me? Am I getting enough teaching? Should I? Do I need to go somewhere else to keep evolving? You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's just you. We put too much into it. You know, yeah. At the end of the day, it should be fun, but it should teach you. I mean I know that I know probably a hundred percent more than a guy try to throw throw fists in the street. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I'm constantly thinking, "No, I need more. I need more. I need to train and stuff like that." And that's where it comes back to. It's like any anybody with a bit of training, you, you don't look for it because it teaches you that you don't need to, and it removes your aggression. We have yeah. a guy in our club who just put a post up on his Facebook the other day, and he was saying about. He's, come, he's a year into his, like, you know, coming away from drink. He tried to commit suicide. He was constantly fighting, and now he's doing jiu-jitsu. It's calmed him down. It's made him happier than he could ever believe he could be. Emotionally, he's back on track. He's made some great friends from it, and I think it's amazing what jiu-jitsu can do. I mean, is that mm-hmm. the, the things yeah. you enjoy from coaching? Yeah. That you get to see I'm, these I'm transformations? Yeah,
0: yeah, I do, and I, I and I mean that's that's part of what that's part of why I absolutely love um, making videos too. I mean, I you know you'll you'll get there's there's definitely moments where the the comments and everything on videos can be uh, complete just train wrecks. You know, you get you get the guys that just you know like we talked about before that that are obvious street fight experts and will tell you exactly you know well this won't work because of this reason whatever most overwhelmingly most of my comments are pretty positive and it's like hey you know hey coach you you know watching your video helped me to get past this this position i couldn't escape or i caught somebody that's a higher rank than me because i watched this video you know i mean things like that are really cool you know and 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 it makes me really happy that to whatever degree like um, and you know, some people completely over exaggerate and it's like, this was just a life altering video. This spike was this, this is <laughs> just phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to come and train with you. And I want to be here. Yeah. And you know, but whatever degree it is, I can tell if I had any positive impact on a person at all through the vehicle of jujitsu, then it, it was, it was a great thing for me, you know, and just like, just like if I have a student in the classroom that, you know, I see that I'm having a positive in- impact on their life just because, and it's not me, it's just because I'm sharing this thing. And that's the whole reason I teach jujitsu is that um, it's had some of the most positive impacts on my life. It's it's given me a vehicle um, and, and a tool with which to understand reality, um, even whenever reality gets very chaotic. It gives me the ability to understand how to, to to handle situations that might otherwise be overwhelming in life, if I didn't have that that metaphorical tool set from jujitsu to be able to to help myself with, and so if I can share that somehow with somebody, or if I can like be somebody's um, somebody's like connective like. Bridge into learning that art that can do that same kind of thing for them. Then that's that's a responsibility that I take very seriously, and it's something that I'm very I never lose sight of the fact that I'm very grateful and privileged to be able to do that for people. Um, because I think when you know, as soon as you as soon as you're not grateful anymore, you need to just hang it up. You need to move on to something else. Like if you're not if you're not doing this out of gratitude, then you know you're you're not doing it for the right reasons.
1: I mean, you've certainly got a massive fan base, and it's very well deserved. I mean, your your videos are so in depth, but you can tell that you're doing it because you want to see people succeed. You want to help people that you're you know you're coaching and your internet fan base. But I mean, what have, do you ever struggle like with imposter syndrome, with like worries about your coaching and stuff like that? How for some because you're doing it in front of a camera and you're not getting like instant feedback like you would in a class how do you adapt to doing it in things like youtube and you know building a business from that side of things as well (laughs) like how how have you adapted to it because you seem so calm and relaxed in front of the camera but have you ever worried about it did you struggle when you first started doing youtube
0: oh yeah i mean if you i don't recommend people go back and watch my early videos but i leave them on there <laughs> if they want to but they, they were horrible I'll still go back once in a while and I'll start to watch one and I just have to turn it off it's embarrassing like it, it's because I didn't you know it, it was like you're saying I'm talking to a camera and it's very uncomfortable it's very unnatural and I, I have no cadence to my voice I'm trying to explain something and I'm thinking while I'm trying to explain it it's just bad man I mean so you know I, like my, my channel um, my YouTube channel has taken off really successfully over about the last two years or less. If, if you really look at the trajectory of it, um, about two years ago, um, I had about 6,000 subscribers to my channel. And that was after having this channel for almost 10 years. So, because I started when, when YouTube was a baby, you know, I mean, YouTube like came out what 2006 or something, maybe 2005, 2006. I started my channel about 2006 or seven. And I would make a video now and again, and I got a little more serious, a little more regular with it. But then something happened a couple of years ago. I put out a couple of videos. One was on solo drills, and one was on mountain escapes. And my channel just it, it kind of blew up. And I was I started getting escape. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, and that I, I'm really proud of. I'm proud of that video. And I didn't think though it was anything special. And honestly, um, I sat there with my finger on the upload button after you know I got it. You know, put together, and I was like, ah, this is—I don't think anybody's gonna like give a shit about this. I don't even know if I want to upload it, you know. And the solo drills video is the same way. I was like, ah, this is—I don't—I wouldn't watch this. Like, <laughs> I don't—I don't know if this is even worth it. But I need to upload a video if I'm gonna be consistent for the week. So here we go. I'm just gonna upload it. And it just uh, those took off, and they got shared by the right right pages and stuff like that, and got the right no- notice, and started kind of spreading around. And since then it's it's been between like five to ten thousand new subscribers every single month since then and now it's like a hundred awesome. or something now and it's it's just it blows me away every day because um you know people tell me you know things like I, and i don't, I don't want to sound like a douchebag and say well people tell me i um this or that it, but the, the compliments that people give me it's just it's um uh, it's it's humbling i don't know if that's the right word but it, it is it, it it makes me feel so grateful that I'm doing something positive to share the way that I'm sharing. It's it's getting across the right way to whatever degree. So I'm I'm happy and I'm grateful for that. You know.
1: So for people like yourself who are doing a channel or they're bringing out their own product or whatever it is, how did you learn to stop comparing yourself to others? Is it going back to what you said earlier that you just think do your <laughs> do your own stuff and just let it come? Yeah, you know, the cream will rise to the top or you know did you even think about what other people were doing or compare yourself or look at what they were doing for ideas or did you just do it and just put it out there
0: oh there's um on no level am i gonna try to act like i don't constantly compare myself to other people and look at what other people are doing i i completely still do that like i i was um I set these little like kind of private benchmarks for myself like i'll look at somebody's channel and just uh, be like oh they've got this many subscribers i wonder if like i can pass that many subscribers before they can reach this number you know it's like just just to have like little competitive benchmarks for myself and then no way does i i, I have i have no misgivings and no misconceptions that in any way does that mean that my quality is higher than theirs i absolutely know that i understand that like kenny cornelius there's nothing about my that that is better than his um, for what he does. You know, like like I think he's one of the greatest jujitsu like people in the world. And I, you know, honestly, not even just gi and no gi sports jitsu I think that he has such a comprehension of 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 the totality of jujitsu. I think he's he's absolutely brilliant. I love watching his stuff and everything else. But you know. I like set a goal for myself a couple of months back i'm like i wonder if i can beat him to 115,000 subscribers you know it's like and so i was sitting there watching and like the day that i passed him up and i was like oh, yes i did it you know and it's like it doesn't mean anything it's just like something to try to keep me motivated to keep doing some things but going back to like your your actual question though like i i i have a lot of people tell me oh man you just you just got to make sure just to ignore those negative comments you got to ignore those people who are you know putting down what you're doing and this and that I'm like if i did that then i would have i think i would have failed a long time ago i don't ignore anything especially not the negative stuff um i'll respond to a negative comment in a heartbeat and i won't i want not respond in a, a overly negative way or argumentative way i'm not going to get super emotional about it any more than i have to but for me, if somebody puts a negative comment on one of my videos, I'm going to go in and I'm going to address that. I'm going to do it as politely and professionally as possible, not with the, not with the intention that I'm going to change that person's mind about what they said, but I want, I want other people that might see that comment, I want them to see how I interact with that person who's commenting like that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: about this, the topic. That, that's for other people, it's not for them. If somebody says, this is bullshit, would we'll never work in a fight well, I'm going to address that and say, well, this actually has worked in a fight. I wouldn't show it if I didn't have some kind of evidence, either personal or, or uh, empirical from other sources that, you know, and then I'll try to give sources of why and when this has worked in a fight and and what considerations have to be made so that people see that I've thought this stuff out and I don't just go in and say, hey, you know, here's my phone, record this video real quick. I'm going to make some shit up on the spot and just, like, you know, try to get a video out of it. That's not really what I do. You know, I... I Make sure I try to be careful and contextualize everything as, as well as I can to be able to say, you know, um, this is when this is a valuable technique. Uh, this is when it's going to work. This is when it has worked. And these are the details that are going to help and work for you, you know. Um, but, no, I, I definitely listen to, to what other people have to say. And, I, you know, I try just to like deliver things the way that I can deliver them. I deliver the video as like, hopefully like the way that I would want to watch it and learn the information. Uh, People say I talk a lot, like way too fast and throw out too much stuff at one time. But um, sometimes, but I like, you know, that's what that rewind buttons for. (laughs) Watch it again.
1: (laughs) I mean to me that's actually good because it's like when you learn the curriculum the first time it's far too much information you just get mm. the bare essentials, but then you watch it the second time you pick up something else then you watch it again or you know as the second time you start seeing a movement that you never noticed or a way you move your hand in a certain way and you notice these little small components yeah and then you listen to like into what you're saying and you pick up another thing and you, you implement that and then another thing and it's it's how I learned jujitsu, and I'm finding when I come back to your video, no matter what level I'm at, I'm getting so much from it. I'm learning so many different things. I can watch one of your videos 50, 60 times and learn something new. Sorry, these notifications. Um <laughs> I notifications. I hate my computer sometimes. So, <laughs> what do you think people... Because, like, you know, you're doing this, you're coaching, you've got a child, you've got a relationship. Um, what, you know, what are people should be doing in addition to this? You know, you get these guys that come out with, you should be meal prepping, taking supplements. You know, you should be visualisation, recording your sessions on a notepad. You should be doing, like, meditation, visualisation, acupuncture you know what else should a guy be doing is strength training worth it you know is there any supplements you should be taking do you have a sort of an overall philosophy on recovery away from the map
0: yeah i think it's it has to be fairly individual i think that um i don't think that there's i don't believe there's a a, a recipe for everyone um i think that there's a lot of people who can You know, they they need a lot extra, you know, like They they need to watch their diet more closely. They need to get more, you know, they need to get the right amount of sleep They need to uh, supplement their training with with strength and conditioning a lot more. They need to, you know um, Watch their nutrition and and all that. I think the biggest thing though And she just helps with this so much because you you learn about yourself so much It's like I go in and I have a a bad day at, at training it's like, well, why did I have a bad day? It's like, well, what did I eat? what did I eat the day before and what did I eat the, the before I practiced? You know, what, what's my sleep pattern been like? How much stress do I have? Now, you know, so if that's impacting my my training and I want to remedy that because I want to get the most out of my training that I can, then I need to go back and kind of like take note of those behaviors. And so I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing that I would say as far as, um, health and nutrition and, and training and everything else. It's like, what What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And, and how can I feel the best while I'm trying to do that? Um, if, you know, cause it, my training is not gonna be the same as somebody who's gonna compete in the next, like uh, Pan Ams or Worlds, you know, it's, it's, I have a little different goals set than that, but I do want to get the most out of my, my training, the most benefit. So I know that if I don't get the right amount of sleep, I know that if I eat too much garbage, I know that if uh, you know I'm doing, if I'm I'm having higher levels of stress, that I can't necessarily immediately remedy. Then I'm going to have to watch those other aspects of my life that are going to be the most helpful. You know, if if you're having higher levels of stress that that you can't like eliminate right away, you better watch your sleep, you better watch your nutrition, you better watch your physical exercise. You know, like if you want to. Optimize any one of those areas those other areas have to like they have to be supportive of that You know, I mean as far as specific things that I think that that can be beneficial to people like um, I'm I'm uh, One of those CBD nuts that you see floating around. I, I'm a I'm a big um, Proponent of that, you know, I, I don't I don't issue like um, uh, Marijuana use I mean, I, I don't smoke marijuana. I don't use any like marijuana products, but I I've seen other people who it actually helps in therapeutic ways. You know, I think it's something you better learn about. You know, and you need to really learn about and everything like that. Um, as far as you know, supplements go. That's uh, we could we could get into another two hours about that. <laughs> like, it's it, there's just so much. There's so much with that. I don't think um, necessarily that that being um keto is right for everybody that being a vegan is right for everybody that being any any dramatic diet is right for anyone i think most people eat too much um in my opinion uh over here in the states anyway i think that we could do um a little better like just watching our caloric intake in general and watching those macros over the micros um but again like these these are these go so in depth because um I've put a lot of thought into it just for myself but I've seen a lot of other like garbage information out there that's that's treated as like this is the this is the panacea to like you know uh, the end all be all diet for for everybody that wants to be an athlete or wants to perform optimally um, there's, there's there's so much so much
1: cuz this is what it almost disappoints me in some way when I get to interview the likes of yourself as there's so many things i want to cover but to put it into <laughs> an hour or two hour, you know yeah, there's yeah. it's difficult because i mean this is why i will say i would love to have you on again because we've barely touched the surface and we're almost at two you know an hour and 40 odd minutes and yeah. i'm really aware of how much, you know how much of your time i've taken up <laughs> but i can find i can listen to you talk for hours i can watch your videos for ages you know this is why i always recommend your videos and it's almost like I can't say more of a bigger compliment than that. No, that, 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 that means a lot
0: to me. That's that's a huge compliment, and that's that's not lost on me at all. That, like, when I hear something like that, I, uh, that, yeah, I can't I can't tell you the kind of feeling that gives me. That's that's fantastic to hear.
1: Because we've all got like the same twenty four hours, and to, to use time up, I think is the biggest thing. Is mm. to have somebody come and ask you a question, even if it's a new white belt. Uh, I get a kick out of that, you know. Or mm-hmm. if I when you see somebody's taking the time to write you an email and all you get is positive comments, I can see. You know, you get the odd arsehole here and there, bit, you know, it <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> would be sure. life without them. Sure. But, yeah. Well, I'll wrap it up just now. I mean, I've got a, a couple of questions to finish off, but we definitely got to have you back on and really go into different things, as long as you've enjoyed yourself and want to come back on, obviously. Oh,
0: absolutely, but, yeah. I, it doesn't feel like it's been as long as it has. It feels like we've just been on here a few minutes, Yeah.
1: Well, if, you've, if you're really feeling brave, um, I can introduce something that I haven't had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to call them the, the fast break questions, um, where they were kind of, say these are like, uh, I throw out prompts and you just answer the, a few words that come into your mind. Okay. So, for example, um, if you close your eyes and think back to childhood, what meal sums up your childhood for you?
0: <laughs> That's interesting. I, probably Spaghetti. Um <laughs> yeah, I was a poor kid. Spaghetti, grilled cheese, <laughs> things like that. <laughs>
1: nah, maybe not together, but I get you right. Right, right. Um,
0: yeah, different different meal settings. But yeah, things things <laughs> that were easy to feed a whole family for relatively cheap, you know, so uh yeah, not not the healthiest food in the world but but prepared with love.
1: <laughs> and that's all it takes. Sometimes it's like, you know, your mother's lasagna or like yeah. Yeah, spaghetti bolognese. It's the things you yes. remember. Um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? You know,
0: um, guilty pleasure as far as like uh, food or entertainment or
1: what? Something that you'd be ashamed. Usually, you know, is there a song that you love that you cringe of the guys <laughs> in the gym heard?
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I was, uh, let's see, just just recently I was like, I'm thinking, man, I don't know a song I like better than this Nicki Minaj song that's out right now and it was like a uh, what's it megatron and um, oh, the, the, yeah i was i was listening to it and i'm like i'm really really getting into the song and it is not like music i typically listen to but it's like yeah. and that and then probably like taylor swift a lot of a lot of music that like my daughter listens to that i probably wouldn't naturally listen to so you know uh, a lot of the like popular like female artists that um or around right now, but it's, it's guilty pleasure probably because like I, I've, I've grown an appreciation of it like from uh I guess appreciation is a weird word But you know being exposed to it my daughter listening to it and everything and seeing it make her happy and get into it maybe so <laughs> That and then uh yeah. ha- Hamilton the musical that's another guilty pleasure Sli- slightly guilty. I'm not too ashamed of that. Uh, I like that musical.
1: That's yeah, it's a good choice Um mm-hmm. if uh would you say that you're the kind of man now that you would want your daughter to date when she gets older, or when mm. you're going to let her date, shall we say? Because she's about eighteen now.
0: She actually, she's not quite sixteen. She's she's, a, she's she's a teenager, but she's she's still a still a little younger. Um, she yeah, but she is you know she does have a boyfriend and stuff, and I, I can't think of who I would want her to date. I would say hell no, I wouldn't want her to date someone like me. Just because I know me, and I know all the, the, the <laughs> you know, I know all the, the the darkest parts of me. I'm I'm a very you know, I know myself inside and out. I don't know who would possibly be perfect enough for me to approve of uh, dating her, but uh, I, I don't I don't think I would want her to date someone like me.
1: <laughs> so, well, my sister's married, but I've got she's had um she's got three kids and there's two nephews, but one uh, she's the last one was a niece. Um, and Islas is like a force to be reckoned with. But <laughs> I now start thinking, who's good enough to marry? You know, who's good enough for her and stuff like that? And yeah. I wanted, to, uh, when she had uh, the first one, um, I was very sort of, I wanted to develop myself and improve to get to a point where I was good enough for them. I wanted yeah. to be the uncle that they loved to see the one that gave them inspiration or motivated them to be better. That's a great goal. An yeah. um, right now, I'm doing jiu-jitsu because they always batter me as well. They're only like five <laughs> and, s- well, seven. You know, but like, they're, I use my jiu-jitsu on them when it's like, I'm the tickle monster and they're the, <laughs> the leopards jumping off the couch on the day and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> That's but awesome. Yeah. The fact that it's, you seem to have a very good connection with your daughter, and you know, what would advice would you give to new dads or like step and things like that? How would you know what what have you learned from being a parent?
0: Whew, man, uh, loads. There's 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 lots of uh, lots of elements to that. Um, the biggest thing is is being patient um, the, the, that, goes probably the longest, be patient and, and be funny, you know, um, I think, you know, the, the quality time that you spend with your kids laughing and having a, a good time, you know, you obviously have to instill discipline, you obviously have to, you know, give a structured environment, you have to teach them, you have to make sure they're, they're doing things responsibly, but, you know, you're, you're, just be patient, um, decide if, you know if if how you're feeling like you're wanting to to chastise their behavior, or how you're wanting to discipline them, or how you're wanting the the instinct that you're feeling in that that emotional moment from their behavior if it's really worth it, you know, and and could it could it be channeled in a better way, you know, um, it, it, that's that's the hardest thing, you know, it's really the hardest thing because you you want to be everything to that person because it's a part of you, you know that. This is a like this is a part of your, your heart, and there's such an emotional response there, and I can go on a lot of different in a lot of different directions. So I think just making sure that that you choose those words wisely, you choose those behaviors wisely. Um, there's a lot of damage that can be done, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of connection that can be built. You know, so uh, you know, be patient. Think your word. Think about your words very wisely. You know, and your actions very wisely
1: and since you've become a father has anything your parents done has it kind of have you been able to understand it or make peace with it or kind of you know see from their point of view where you've maybe never been able to before um
0: partly yeah i, I think um yeah there, there's i think two ways that you learn from your parents you learn in the positive regards, what they did that you found you, you thought were, it was beneficial that you were like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have that kind of behavior. I'm going to have that kind of attitude. I'm going to, I'm going to do those kind of things whenever I have a kid. And then the other aspect of it is like, I'm never going to be like that when I'm a father or whenever I'm a mother or whatever, whenever I have a child, I'm never going to act that way that my parent or parents did with me. And I mean, I think there's things on both ends of that. Um, you know, right now like I, I have a long-distance relationship and this is the thing that I've been kind of struggling with because I, I would I would move from my town to um, My girlfriend's town in a heartbeat like right now, but my is here and um, You know as long as my daughter's living here and I can you know Have like immediate access to seeing her and be able to see her frequently and have that time with her I don't I, don't, I wouldn't sacrifice that for anything and um, So that keeps me here now seeing that that wasn't necessarily the situation whenever I was a child, you know, like that wasn't the top consideration, you know, I don't understand that still. And I, I didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. Um, you know, but it's just, it's just something that kind of like was, was in opposition to um, the parental behavior that I saw when I was a kid. You know, I, you know, there, there's other things that I, you know, I don't want to, in uh, the chance that my parents listen to this podcast, I don't, I don't want to, to say like I learned from watching the mistakes of my parents but there were definitely a lot of those um that I, re- I swore I would not repeat whenever I had a kid and I've uh some of them I've, I've still made mistakes plenty I've made a lot of mistakes but um you know some things I'm still still doing pretty good I've got a pretty decent track record on some some areas still so <laughs> yeah it's
1: almost a, it makes this kind of thing go Ah, that's why I was a bit annoying shit <laughs> then and Because <now>, <laughs> yeah. I kind of understand, I've got to be a parent now to like my nephews and that, and it's like that. I, I remember things that I said that caused an argument, and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely never going to do that with them, and I catch myself like, oh. Mm. And I I can give them back. I'm not but they look to me as for inspiration and understanding the world and that scares me to be honest. Um, but <laughs> it makes you want to be a better person yeah. So if yeah, you absolutely. had to sum up your life in a movie or a song title, what would you pick?
0: Whew. Goodness. Um, just the title alone. Wow. Um, I, I mean, never could worse thought about it could that. be
1: your sex life.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would that would be very different. Uh, that would probably be like the Crying Game or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, as long um... as
1: it's not gone in sixty seconds.
0: <laughs> There's so much potential for for movie titles in that. Uh, that that's a that's a pretty tough one, man. Um, I I could probably come up with a great one if you give me about thirty minutes. But on the spot, I don't know. I, I guess the you know I could um, kind of cheat it and say you know. Um, you know say like the the one that like has the most like impact as far as like the sound bites or or scenes or anything would probably be fight club it always makes me think about that you know but you know that's a weird movie title for titling my life but you know that's uh that's kind of the vein i don't know i have to think about that one We'll, we'll edit back in like the perfect title and i'll explain why
1: <laughs> well, we could we could do that for round two as well. That could be that could be the homework.
0: Yes, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely like spend the rest of the night thinking about that.
1: <laughs> well, if here's another one for you. If you had you're sitting at a dinner table and you had five empty seats or six or whatever, you could pick anybody to fill those seats. Now they can be alive or dead, the real or fake, somebody that you've wanted to meet somebody famous it could be somebody that's had a like positive um message to you like you know really motivated you when you were younger Mm. who would you give those seats to this is like your ideal dinner party Mm. wow
0: um i'm sure i'd probably like uh change my mind several times you know i i think i would like to um it's a nightmare Oh, Yeah, absolutely. Because like it, you know, once those seats are filled and then I'm like, oh, shoot, I should have picked this person. Um, let's see. Uh, probably just to aim on the high end. Uh, let's sit down Jesus in one of those seats. Let's do that. Um, then uh, I think I would like to have a, a sit down conversation with Hicks and Gracie. You know, that would be uh, obviously as a jiu-jitsu guy, that'd be a good one to go with. Um, you know, I think... Uh, man, so many historical figures you could go with. Um, just keeping it to living people, well, I guess recently deceased, probably, uh, Stephen Hawking would be a good one to sit there, Albert Einstein, um, assuming I would know anything those guys were talking about, you know, um, then... I'd like to get somebody in there with more of an emotional IQ than just like an intellectual IQ. So uh, let's throw in Gandhi just to round things out. How about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, good job. I've had people coming out with all sorts like, some, like I'm trying to think who it was somebody want a Genghis Khan and <laughs> Abraham Lincoln and <laughs> Jesus or something. Like, you know, I was just kind of going to yeah. go, okay. It's <laughs> going it, to be an interesting dinner table, Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's meant to be like a intellectual thing about the people you choose, and if there's like emotional connections or like why you'd pick them and all this kind of stuff. But I just find it interesting to see where people's inspirations come from, and it's and to be honest, it, it's great to find out more about the person hmm. away from why did you do that? Why did you write the book? Why you know? Yeah. I mean, if you what. If we came and sat with you in a, in a night out, for example, what would you be listening to? Your favorite, like podcast or a band or song? You know, what kind of like if you had to go, if you had to pick a night out for people listening, would it be like a rock club or how do you kind of enjoy yourself away from the mats when you when you have time?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like to I like to go out and and you know be in social environments. I, I'm I'm a very um, I, I'm kind of weird. Most people I know, it's like, oh, I'm just a, a homebody. You know, I don't like to get out in crowds. And you know, I, I enjoy like live and energetic and crowded places. You know, I I, I like environments like that. You know, I like to be able to, to talk to and to be able to hear the person that I'm with as well. But, you know, I, I don't mind uh, um, a crowded environment as long as it's like a uh, relaxed and happy place, you know, not full of... Uh, aggressive behavior or anything like that. So, you know, sitting down in a nice restaurant, you know, or even um, you know, even like a pub or something, you know, is is, uh, would be a good enjoyable time if I'm with the right company of people, Um, you know, uh, going to something like a a concert or something, that would be nice, but I I like to be able to talk with the people that I'm that I'm around, you know, and and be able to really like focus on them and spend time with them and hear what they have to say and, and be able to communicate myself as well as possible. So, yeah I mean something just kind of relaxed but but social you
1: know I appreciate you saying pub rather than bar <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I, was, <laughs> I
1: was I was sitting there thinking
0: about that that was a deliberate word choice because uh yeah, I was like that it would probably be more appropriate to say pub than bar, so yeah or club yeah.
1: so where's the evolution of night jujitsu going you know where like what do you want to achieve? Are you happy doing the videos and the content and stuff you're doing now? I mean, do you have plans to do anything? Because I can only see you getting bigger and bigger and more successful because you're just giving the content that people want, but you're not building some bubble of like that you're better than everybody. You're just a lovely guy giving awesome content and helping people succeed. But what's the, the overall mission for the brand for you? Do you have a goal in mind, or just to keep doing what you're doing? uh, I
0: think that the goal has to be. um, I'm not. I'm not great about setting concrete goals. I'm. I'm better about setting flexible ones, and I think it has to be flexible because, you know, what I'm. I don't know how sustainable what I'm doing is. I mean, you know, I'm. I'm I'm just making videos and and sharing like techniques and concepts and and strategies and things like that, and trying to relate it to people in the best way possible. And I want to keep doing that. I want to keep on like like sharing everything that I have that I think is useful with with people the best way that I can so you know I'm, I, I don't have any intention to stop doing what I'm doing and only to do as much more of it as I can so you know I've I've done things like you know just trying to diversify like where people can can get you know access to, to my teaching and everything I started recording my classes and putting it on my patreon page and started started the patreon page so that honestly because people, like, told me to, like, I, I, I got to where I was getting all these comments about, you know, people should really be paying for this, like, people who are watching this stuff for free, and they're saying, I should be paying for this, <laughs> and, and I was like, well, uh, okay, maybe I should make something where I can make a few dollars out of this, too, rather than just putting advertisements on, on YouTube, and, you know, making uh, kind of some, you know, out of this jump change, but it's definitely not, like, sustainable for a career, you know, out of that, I still, I want to, be able to go and teach my classes and my private lessons at my academy uh here in town i want to still travel and do seminars and you know keep keep on keeping a steady stream of those coming in um i have people that have pushed me to start affiliations and and networking and stuff and i have a couple of um a few places underneath me now that are affiliates for night jiu-jitsu that you know are actually like students of mine and they're they're running centers that are affiliated with night jiu-jitsu I, I do close work with um with the fit to fight brands and you know night jiu-jitsu has been kind of like partnered with fit to fight for the jiu-jitsu program and there so you know just diversifying out as much as possible um but, but still being manageable one of my biggest goals is to to be able to get some help <laughs> because like i i'm doing a lot of stuff uh just by myself and so my time is spread very thin and I, on a daily basis, I'm like, man, I really wish I had somebody that could feel this aspect or that aspect for me, um, you know. like, But at the at the moment where I'm at, it's kind of like by the time that I could explain and, and, and train someone on how to, to feel this content or this area for me, I could just go ahead and do it myself. So it's not completely worth it, you know. But that's the goal. Yeah, that's a
1: you're goal. like who me where you're kind of <laughs> – but the time it would take to kind of show somebody how to edit a video or whatever, is easier just doing it yourself. And, yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's nowhere like, near the level like that you are. So I can't imagine how busy that, you are at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it,
0: it, I, I keep uh, my my time is spread, you know, pretty thin across the board. But it's, um, you know, and that that's I don't mind it though. I mean, like that's that's the thing. Like I, I, I get to moments where I'm like, ah, man, I, I just. I got to do this, and I got to do that, I got to do this and that. And it's like, I keep reminding myself every chance that I get to, to stop using that I have to, or I've got to terminology. Um, that was something that I learned a while back. And I don't remember the first place I ever, ever heard it, but if you replace I've got to with, I get to like, just that shift of perspective really, really changes things, you know, because it's, it, it when you when you approach things negatively like oh I've, i have to do this i have to do that i have to you don't have to do anything if you want to be honest about it i don't have to keep putting videos up i don't have to respond to this comment or that comment i don't have to do much of anything um and in fact like if if it's if it's so negative of a thing do you feel compelled that you have to do it you're, you're compulsory being like held to the fire to do this you should probably quit <laughs> you know like honestly you know i mean gary gary v gary Vaynerchuk, like he you know, I, I like a lot of what he says, I like a lot of what he does. I, I like his podcast. You know, some of the stuff it gets a little, little cloying or a little annoying sometimes. But I mean, I think I like overwhelmingly what he says and does. And I just, I absolutely love that soundbite of him saying, "Stop doing shit you hate to do." You know, just stop. If you hate doing it, stop doing it. You know, like no, nobody, most of us don't have a gun to our head on a daily basis saying you have to work this shit job that you hate. You know if what what makes that worth it what really makes it worth it you know like uh, I, I think i think that so much of that conversation is just all up in our heads and we're just we're, we're playing a false narrative to ourselves a lot of the time and even though i feel like what i do is serious work and i really work hard and i, I really bust my ass a lot of times to do it i'm doing what i love and so it's it's not you know I, i'm not being forced by anybody and i'm choosing to do this so i try to replace every chance i get the phrase i've got to do this with i get to do this
1: i love that because it's, it's true what you're saying we we have worked to almost kill ourselves 24 7 you know mm. and we're just falling into what somebody has said because it's a catchy soundbite mm. rather than it being something we should actually be doing i love gary v you know yeah. he was the first one i ever interviewed for this i, I won a competition to interview him for 15 minutes about oh, his wow. um crush it crush it book yes and it's when i cringe when i hear it back now but just then <laughs> he's so inspiring and passionate and he just says it as it is yes you know so that's yeah. like if i could have my choices of like you know be yourself and chewy for jujitsu be like mm. gary v for entrepreneurship you know I, i'm kind of yeah. like picking my dream my dream team like yeah um, <laughs> that's great so what's uh an unusual fact about yourself that few people know is there anything that really surprises people when they hear or that you don't really share very often um hmm, hmm, hmm,
0: hmm. Uh, like, big things that would surprise people. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that, like, um, depending on who it is, you know, a lot of people that, like, you think that I'm just about this or about that, like, they, you know, a lot of the, like, people who just know me from, like, more self-defense jiu-jitsu stuff, like, don't realize, like, how how into the sport aspect of it I am, you know, like how, how, you know, much I really like and, and appreciate that, you know. I mean, I think that, um, you know, People tend to like carry kind of a two-dimensional view of you based on what they've seen so far So I think that there's a lot of things that can be kind of surprising, you know, what I mean, but I, I don't know. I don't um, I don't see a lot of things that are that, um I try to present myself in a fairly authentic manner to people, you know, I mean They might be surprised with like how bad my diet gets sometimes <laughs> like, or like how Uh, You know, I don't know just something along those lines, but I don't I don't feel like I try to portray too much like uh, False narrative about myself. I try to be I try for authenticity as much as possible. So I don't feel like I set myself up too much for um, People to be taken aback by if they find out something behaviorally about me, you know, I hope not anyway
1: And how bad a day are we talking? (laughs) <laughs> what's your idea of a cheat what's your idea of a cheap meal or a cheap you know,
0: meal like what, would yeah. we,
1: what would we f- be shocked to see you eat on a sort of weekly basis <laughs>
0: um i have a,
1: a really bad
0: addiction to chicken wings um like and uh, so th- that that's that's one of my biggest weaknesses or uh, or like hot wings chicken wings um i haven't now we're talking yeah, <laughs> that's some of my favorite foods too though. Um, I have, uh, I have bad sweet tooth. Um, I, I try not to entertain it a whole lot, but I mean, they, like it's, it's bad. I, I remember whenever my, my, uh, wife at the time was pregnant with my daughter and she had this like, just craving constantly for Ben and Jerry's ice cream and she got me hooked on it. And, you know, once the baby came, you know, her addiction went away and mine kind of stayed. And, I, and so I, I kept on. <laughs> you the food baby. Oh, yeah, exactly. So it, you know, that, um, yeah, I still can't allow myself to be around some Ben & Jerry's ice cream. I, I try to stay away from it because I can, I can kill like, you know, an entire pint at a time. It's no problem. So. <laughs> but oh, I, I like that. T- <laughs> yeah, I try not to, I try not to, you know, be too terrible with my diet. I try to, you know, keep it clean. I try to, um, I know what, what i perform best when i'm eating and how i feel best when i'm eating so uh, i try not to be horrible with it but you know i i don't i don't get on myself like too strict about it uh, because i also want to enjoy life and and you know not be miserable because i can't have my favorite foods once in a while so i'm like i said i'm not training for worlds next week so i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be a little lax with it
1: Well, that's what I love about jiu-jitsu is people can be massive and still compete and win. They can be tiny, they can be thin, they can be strong, weak and that. But it's more about the technique and leverage points and, Mm. you know, using, like, position and, like, an extended arm and a lever and all that against them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. more about understanding the physics of it rather than actually... Like who's the fittest who can get to the ball first or using a certain kind of boot and stuff like that it's, yeah. I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be but I love the challenge and the evolution of it and how you can always get better and better but then there's always a escape to the technique you've just learned then there's an escape to the escape of the escape then yes. there's a block to you know, <laughs> it never yeah, seems exactly. to end
0: yeah, that, that's it exactly right there. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a complete, like, constantly evolving thing, too. You know, it's, um, you know, just when you think that, like, this is the, the best way to do something or this is the highest form of it or something. You know, I, I always see people, too. It's like you see this person who's like, man, what, who could possibly beat this person? And then someone comes along and easily beats them and then beats, you know, everybody else for a while. And, you know, it's, it's um, it, it can be an overwhelming thing. It can definitely be an overwhelming thing because it's like, man, I've got so much to learn. I have so so far to go. But I mean, once you realize, like, that it's uh, you know, it, it's cliche, but if you fall in love with the process rather than the result, then you're you're going to be a lot happier.
1: Because I think Keenan was saying that recently about how everybody's loving like the lapel guard just now, but eventually mm-hmm. that's just going to become a standard thing that you know it's going to be trained heavier in most academies. So suddenly now people are going to have to step up and be different to, to mm-hmm. defeat that. Yeah, it, and, it's strange how people focus on a new thing rather than just the fundamentals, the basics that got everybody to the party.
0: Yeah, I, I'm of the a... opinion that it's it's both. I mean, like you know, as long as you have a solid foundation and, and a solid like understanding of the fundamentals, and you have the time, then you know there's nothing wrong with with looking at the most trendy new thing out there. You know, like you know, yes, it, it's. it's um, you know, like if you watch, uh, I was noticing watching the worlds this, this year, like how, how ubiquitous the, the use of lapel guard was and everybody was playing it, you know, honestly, like, man, that, even more so, not that it hasn't been played plenty in the past at different events like that, but it was so much more pronounced to me. Um, and you know, I'm sure that, that Keenan was probably one of the biggest factors in that and the work he's done with that and the information he's released on that topic, Um, but it is, it's, it's going to wax and wane. I mean, you, you see people now like doing things that have been around forever. You know, I was talking to someone about that the other day. It's, it's, um, I remember Rodrigo Gracie showing us virtually everything in the, the Donna, her approach to the leg rock system, the Donna, her desk squad is doing this because it was training up there around the same time in New York at the Hensel Gracie Academy with all those guys, whenever this was all being formulated and developed. Now, Donahoe may have a, a more articulate way of expressing it and, and has organized it more systematically, but the information on a technical level has been around, you know, for a long time. Uh, that's how most of jiu-jitsu is, I think, you know. But So, you know, I, everything can be kind of broken down to a fundamental level, and I think that, that as long as people keep that in sight, then they're doing fine, you know. I think uh, as long as people don't get too caught up in like, well, People should be doing this more. People should be doing that more. You know, I I think that "should" is a very dangerous statement or a very dangerous word.
1: Yeah, it's. I see that the whole time is like my coach, especially he's he's fallen into that trap of this is the this is the best place, the headquarters to start. Everybody should use this as their landing page to to start from, and it's a move that's set up for somebody that's. Smaller, faster, got flexibility, and as a big guy, I'm sitting thinking, "Yeah, no, that's not going to work. For, that's not going to work for me." <laughs> but yeah. there's so many different aspects of Jitsu It should be a case of, "Well, this will suit you if you're this. If you're not, what about this? Go and try this. Go and try." And it's Jiu-Jitsu, There's something in Jitsu for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, for I'm almost gatty to say it, but for I definitely will have you back on and really get into this again because I've had so much fun doing this but for people who've been listening what do you want this to be like what do you want the message from this if they had to take one thing from it or like an overall message from this interview what do you what do you want them to take before the second one um,
0: I, I don't know I think I think the thing I keep coming back to whenever um, I think about things like that or somebody asks me something about that. I, and maybe just because of the environments that I, I find myself like participating in conversationally, I, I think people just need to just lighten up and enjoy the process, you know? I mean, like if you're, if you're training, think about why you started, you know? I think, think about why you started doing what you're doing and what made you, if you, if you love it, what made you fall in love with it? And don't lose sight of that. And you know, don't get too too caught up and too uh, tribal in, in your mentality of it and begin that, you know, just because you're doing it is the best way out there and that you you know, you, you should be open minded. You should be at the same time open minded but also critical, you know, of, of what other people are doing and what you're you're doing yourself. And but ultimately just people need to lighten up and enjoy the process and have a good time and and you know, uh because that's that's ultimately what's going to keep people training longer. Um, if they if they're having a good time, they're going to want to keep on doing it. You know, if you're forcing yourself to do it, you're miserable through the whole process of it. Then even your your training is going to suffer for that, and it's it's not going to have the same quality. And then the quality suffers when you're doing it, and then eventually you're you're so miserable you're going to quit doing it. So you know, just make sure that you you constantly find something to love about it, and you don't forget about that. But.
1: That's what I'd probably say. No, I love the way that you can sort of articulate what is a very waffly question for me, and you kind of pick <laughs> a great answer in a way. You pull together like a lot of different factors, and you, you put it into a very kind of well thought out answer. Um, we definitely got to do number two soon. We've definitely, oh. got, I've definitely got to have you on again and really get into different aspects of training, coaching, and things like that. But for people I'd be happy who to. want to find Awesome. Well, for people who want to find out more about you, to come and train with you, you know, to watch your videos, connect with you on social media, that sort of thing, how mm-hmm. can they find you? You know, how can they get in connection with you?
0: Um, I try to make sure that, like, I um, I try to answer every message that I can, every even comments like that. And this this keeps me pretty busy, but like. Um, any, any like messages and comments I get through uh, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram a- anywhere on any of the socials typically if you look up night jiu Jitsu or Eli Knight um, you're gonna come across me my, my YouTube channel is night jiu Jitsu my Instagram is night jiu Jitsu my um, my Facebook there's a, a there's a personal page for Eli Knight and there's a one of those public figure pages or whatever it is for for Eli Knight and night jiu Jitsu anything like that. Um, people can get a hold of me. I have a Patreon page where I put up exclusive content that's not big, just the free stuff that you see on YouTube. And for that matter, on my YouTube, you can join as a as a paid member too. And I'll I put up like exclusive content that other people don't get to see for free. Um, just to have you know some things that people. It's a little more involved teaching because it's what I'm actually teaching in the classrooms. Um, and at seminars and stuff like that uh, rather than me putting out a a five or ten minute video it's me teaching full full classes so um, but you know through any of those social media aspects like that people can direct message me and, and get in contact with me like that that's it for another week thanks for listening absorb it practice it use it
1: until next time keep trying to hit that next level in your life